Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's my co-host and producer, Zach Goodman. We are coming to you live from our Towson studios here on a chilly Saturday morning. It was... So opening day was pushed back to yesterday because of severe thunderstorms that were supposed to come through the area on Thursday. That almost really didn't happen. They, they never came. It didn't rain till 7 o'clock. And it rained for 20 minutes. It was sunny and 80 to 85 degrees on Thursday. The Orioles did not play a baseball game. We moved to Friday. It was cloudy. It was about 55 degrees. The Orioles played a baseball game. They won a baseball game over the hated New York Yankees, 7-6, to to move to 4-3 and uh, on the young season. But it was chilly. It was a chilly one yesterday, and uh, but it was a good one. It was a, it was a solid win. Felix Bautista, when he's on, man, he is unfair. Yeah. He is unfair. He started the game. Um, who who was the first batter? It was DJ LeMahieu. Yep. LeMahieu was the first batter of the inning, and the first pitch he throws is an 85-mile-an-hour splitter. Yeah. When you yeah. know they're all sitting on his 100-mile-an-hour fastball. No doubt. And DJ LeMahieu's a good hitter. Mm-hmm. He's a professional hitter. Mm-hmm. And the swing that he put on that ball was awful. He was yeah. nowhere close to that pitch. And I'm wa- I was watching from behind the bullpens out in the picnic area, and mm-hmm. I saw how bad his swing was. He had yeah. no shot. None of them had any shot. And I'm standing there, and the the Orioles are up 7-6. to six. He... Uh, he, he there's two outs, and he walks Aaron Judge. Yeah. And yeah. it was a pitch around. They, they, they're they not letting Aaron Judge have an opportunity to tie that ball game. Right. Right? And there's <laughs> there's a Yankees fan behind me who's who at one point I saw during the breaks rapping to himself. Interesting. He was rapping to himself. Well, maybe he's the next big New York rapper. And, and the, no, he was whiter than you, man. No. He, he, he was. I mean, let's not assume that uh, they can't be good rappers. No, Eminem's a, <laughs> Eminem's a, a, I mean, a, a phenomenal rapper. It's yeah. just that I don't know if this guy like he was. He he was a sight to behold. All of his gear, all of his gear was maroon. Maybe some drugs mixed into the system. He, Who knows? He was he was wearing maroon Yankees gear. He was very pale white with one of those like um. He had one of like those the soul like, patches. No, he had a goatee, but it was like I could see you with a soul patch. Ew, gross! It, <laughs> it, it was the um, it was um, the type of beard that guys that can't grow beards grow. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like it was a it was fairly long, but just in the one center part yeah. of, on on <laughs> his chin. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I looked over during during um like the the eighth inning between the the top and the bottom of the eighth inning, and he was like rapping to himself. There wasn't even any music playing. I'm like, what is what is this dude doing? And then. They walk Aaron Judge, and he goes, yeah, he's scared of Judge. He doesn't want to pitch the Judge. And I turn around, and I'm like, I think we'd all rather pitch to, to Anthony Rizzo than, yeah. than, than Aaron Judge. He pitches to Rizzo, and I thought Rizzo was going to strike out. Like Even, he, even though Rizzo had a better game than Judge. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. He, he was, Rizzo had outside of, you know, he, I think what, he had two hits in that game? I think so. He yeah. he smoked a base hit yeah, to right he, field. I saw it. Like, he, he did. He smashed it. Yeah. And, um... But he, he ends up flying out to left field, and of course, it's a pop-up to left field, and mm-hmm. you're like, and I legitimately looked, I'm like, please tell me McKenna's not in the game, which I know McKenna's going to catch the ball. Right. I know he's going to catch it, but I just looked over, and I double-checked to make sure it was Austin Hayes. It was Hayes, he came in, he caught it easily, the game's over, the Orioles win 7-6, to six. we all like erupt and cheer. It was just an awesome setting. 
an awesome situation. Fireworks as well. Yeah, fireworks, you know, colder than I would have liked. Um, But it was awesome. Um, Kind of, kind of um, a bit of what's, I I don't know how to say this, but it was kind of a somber setting on, on Friday. Um, Big Orioles fan, a big, a, a big fan of our show. Yep. Um, uh, Justin Labor, uh, at Roar from forty from thirty four on yep. on Twitter forty four forty four at Roar from forty four on uh, on Twitter, uh, passed away on was it Thursday? Uh, Thursday night. Yes. On on, on yeah. Thursday night. I, it may have been fr- Wednesday night. Um, I believe it was Thursday night because okay. yeah. Yeah, I something along those lines. Yeah, he he passed away the other day. Um, I, no, I actually believe you're correct. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. He he passed away Wednesday night after a three year bat, three plus year battle, um, with long COVID. Yeah. And the first time I was introduced to Justin, like he was following me on Twitter, but the first time I was introduced to Justin, I never met him in person. He was on Glenn Clark Radio on a, on a day that I happened to be sitting in on the show, and you could tell in his voice that. The toll that it was taking on him. Yeah, the, the, you you could absolutely tell. And even when Grayson Rodriguez made his big league debut on Wednesday, Justin with 102 fever was tweeting about how the fever is going to have to wait because Grayson Rodriguez was pitching for the Baltimore Orioles. And then to find out that he passed away, and I was in a fantasy baseball league with him, and I didn't know that. Yeah, hmm. I, I was in a fantasy baseball league with him in 2020. Okay. Um, for the shortened season, my wife and I were in that. With Matt Pine was in it, I believe. Yep. Um, I was in that league with him, and he he actually tried to like screw me on some trades. I I remember he kept trying to get me to trade him good players in exchange for less than players. And I was like, Justin, leave me alone. But a really really good guy. He actually apologized for the trades that he tried to make with me at one point. Um, I'll never forget that. But That's he, what fantasy baseball is all about. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and like I said, huge fan of the Orioles, a, a fan of our show, mm-hmm. and just an all-around great person. And he lost his battle um, the other night. So it's it's been very, very sad. And you know that when, when Orioles broadcasters are tweeting about him, mm-hmm. that he was he was a big deal. Yeah, you know? I mean, one of the I was introduced by by Matt Pine um, as well when we had our um, our podcast there for about uh, you know two years, two seasons really, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, just one of the most uh, positive, nice people you ever meet. He, and like you said, I mean, you're one of the biggest Orioles fans I know. He's up there as well. Uh, you know, just huge, devoted, so much passion, um, and you know, huge, prob- probably the biggest Adley Rutschman fan uh, yeah. he'll, he'll ever have. Yeah, so. his, his Twitter handle was Roar from 44, but his Twitter name was Adley yeah. Rutschstan. Yeah, um, truly a devoted fan and one of the nicest guys, one of the really, truly nicest human beings you'll ever meet. Yeah, so a, a huge loss for the Orioles community, and um, it was fit. It was a fitting victory for the Orioles yep. last night. Um, you know. But I'd like to think it was in Justin's honor that they were able to go out there and and beat the Yankees. who were off to a pretty good start. Yeah, I think year. I think Matt said they did something on Masson for him, but obviously I, I was at the game, so yeah, I, 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 I didn't see that. But um, yeah, I, I will definitely try to try to find that. Yeah. Oh, so uh, prayers out to Justin and his family uh, as they go through this difficult time. Uh, today's show brought to you by 
uh, press box online offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to pressboxonline.com offers to claim your incentive. Orioles beat the Yankees 7-6 in the home opener yesterday. Dean Kramer, little good, little bad. Um, he took a shutout into the fourth inning, gave up a three-run homer to former Oriole Franchi Cordero. Um, then he got through the fifth inning unscathed, and he started the sixth inning by giving up a leadoff hit. And so Brandon Hyde pulled him in favor of... Who was the pitcher that came in? It was uh, it was Logan Gillespie. Logan Gillespie. Logan Gillespie. Yes. And Gillespie immediately gave up uh, an RBI double. I think that was the Anthony Rizzo double, I believe. Yeah. Gave up gave up an RBI double. They scored two runs in innings. So Dean Kramer's final line was five-plus innings pitch. He allowed four hits. Was it five hits? Four hits? Four walks, or three walks, which was a lot. Yes. I didn't realize he walked that many. I believe he had five Ks, and he had four um, runs allowed. Yeah. So there was good, there was bad. The three-run homer, like, like he's been giving up too many homers, and they're all in his cutter. He hung that cutter. Right into the. I mean, you don't want to throw a lefty a pitch that breaks just inside of the barrel because they will crush that every time. Mm-hmm. They will crush that every time. And he and Frankie made him play. And, and he um or Franchi or I, Fra- I don't want to mispronounce you, you, his name. Fra- Frankie made Frankie. Frankie Fra- you Franchi. said Frankie made him play. I actually Franchi made him play. That's not what I said. I I don't know how to pronounce that name. So it's, I will his do name my best. is Franchi Cordero. Franchi Cordero. Okay. Franchi Cordero. Okay. Like Franchi, but Franchi. Okay. Franchi Cordero with the three run homer. Um, kind of sticking it to the Orioles for not bringing him up with them. Uh, but now he's on the Yankees, who are also a, a very good ball club, and he has an opportunity there and making the most of it to this point. Orioles still come away with the victory 7-6. to six. Bullpen has left much to be desired to this point yep. in the season. We're going to talk about that later in Orioles banter. Um, but we do want to talk about the good. Gunnar Henderson had uh, two base hits yesterday. How hard did he hit that double? Oh, my God, he smoked it. Th- that ball off the bat, like, as soon as he hit it, you knew the center. The center fielder might, might, might as well just turn his back and started running. He was watching the ball. Dude, just run. I hate to say, but I think a better center fielder than Judge, a faster center fielder, would have gotten there. No, like, I, there, there's I, nobody I, had I, a I shot. Think, I think Cedric Mullins would have gotten there. No, there's no, there was no shot. That ball was hit like 217 miles an hour off the bat. It was an absolute missile. As soon as he hit it, I'm like, that ball has no shot. At I didn't even know who was playing. Was, was Judge in center field? Judge yesterday? was in center field. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know the Judge was in center field. I, I he's been playing there all year. They, oh. they they're having Hicks in a corner, um, and Judge is now their full time center fielder. Oh wow! Probably until Jason Dominguez comes up and debuts. Well, I mean, Judge is six foot seven. That ball was still over his head. Yeah. Uh, as soon as he hit it, I was like, I don't care who the center fielder is. That ball is down. And so, Rutschman doesn't score. He gets to, to third base on it, but the Orioles end up picking up two runs in that inning. Um, go on to win 7-6. Rutschman reached base three times yesterday. Mountcastle, um, Mountcastle's off to a good start this year. The, the 276 batting average is good, but it's not indicative of how well he's hit the ball. Yeah. Uh, he's been a couple walk- hard outs yesterday. And he's been walking. He has a couple of hard outs every game. Mm-hmm. And he's been walking a lot more. This year, too, which is something you want to see from a guy that hits in the middle of your order. Anthony Santander had a nice little double yesterday. He um, he still has to get the bat going. Yeah, he's off to uh, a slow uh, start. He, he's off to a slow start. The power hasn't shown up yet. But um, Gunnar Henderson, he had the two hits, but he also had uh, three more strikeouts. Yeah. He has 12 strikeouts in six games this year, eight in the last three games. He also has two multi-hit games in the last three games. So you take the good, you take the bad. 
what's your level of concern? We know he's going to figure it out, yeah. but is there any kind of concern for you? What are you seeing from Gunnar Henderson to this point? I mean, I, I think the concern's low, but you had, what, a 40-game sample size, I believe, last year, something along those lines, where... You know, now teams have video on him. They know mm-hmm. what his weaknesses are. They know how to beat him. And, you know, they, they these teams have so many advanced scouts that come in before every series and say, okay, this is how you beat this guy, this guy. You see with Ryan Malcastle, he just gets thrown sliders because they know he struggles on him. But Gunnar Henderson, I don't, I haven't noticed exactly what it is yet that beats him specifically. But clearly these teams have figured out one or two things that they can really get past him because he's looked a little off balance. Um, the timing hasn't quite been there for him yet. They're, he's going to come back and, and figure this out, and he'll adjust as they adjusted to him. But I think right now, you know, Orioles fans can't really expect him to be, you know, the rookie of the year candidate that, you know, maybe everyone thinks he is because it takes time sometimes for guys to adapt and to start, you know, understanding major league pitching at a higher level. So he will get there. I just don't think it's, you know, Adley Rutschman, it took him how long? Really, it took him a whole I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say a whole month. But it, it, took him, it took about 16 games. Yeah, it took a while for Rutschman to get going, and it's a different situation because Gunner, Gunner's played the majors before, mm. but he's going to have to, to adapt to what they adapted to to him. Adapt. Adapt. All, all right, Cheryl Crow. Adapt. Oh, Cheryl Crow over I here. I saw Cheryl it, Crow it, in Nashville, funny it, enough. It, 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 it takes a little time sometimes. <laughs> a little bit, little she bit did of not Cheryl, play that song. A little bit of Cheryl Crow. Over there, no, Gunner's going to be fine. He's uh, the, the bat's starting to come around. What I've noticed with him is just he seems late on the fastball. Yeah, the timing's been off a, a, a good bit this year, and he also seems to be struggling with with off speed stuff. So I guess yeah. he's just struggling with everything. With everything, maybe. you know. But, but he can hit change ups, maybe. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean like he, he'll barrel a ball every now and again. But right now, it seems like he's being fooled by some secondary pitches yeah. and the fastball at times. If it's up, he seems to be a little bit late, yeah. which was not the case last year. He'll he'll get into a groove. He'll figure it out and uh, get rolling along here, I have no doubts. Nice two-hit performance from him yesterday. uh, Second multi-hit game in three days. Um, Grayson Rodriguez made his Major League debut on Wednesday. And when are you all going to start listening to your boy? Because I know what I'm talking about here. When when Kyle Bradish got knocked out of the game in the second inning with the line drive off the foot, and they brought Tyler Wells in, I was like, I, I said it. And then I said it again the next day. What's going to happen is Kyle Gibson is going to start on normal rest on on um, Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, they're going to call up Grayson Rodriguez because it would be his normal spot, his normal turn. Who else were they going to call up? Drew Rom's not ready. Right. You know, and there was and people were like, well, Zimmerman or, or um, Spencer Watkins. Well, no, because Spencer pitched. Zimmerman pitched Saturday and Spencer pitched Sunday. Yeah. So they weren't going to come up. Both, he's not stretched out enough for him to be an opener, and you don't want to tax your bullpen heading into an important series early on, albeit against the Yankees. So the logical choice was to bring up Grayson, and that's exactly what he did, and didn't get off to a glamorous start. He threw, he walked the leadoff hitter. It was his only walk in the game. He threw 30 pitches, gave up two runs in the first inning, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. And I even uh, tweeted out, I'm super nervous for Grayson right now. Rough start. Hopefully he can give us something over the next few innings that will produce positive results. And boy, did he. 30 pitches in the first inning, 50 pitches the next four innings, five strikeouts, no more runs allowed. He only allowed the two that he allowed in the first inning. Five innings pitched, two earned runs, five strikeouts for Grayson Rodriguez. It was a hell of a debut. Yeah. I think he has. I think he's going to stay in the rotation for now. I've, if they didn't plan on keeping him in the rotation, they would have sent him down. It's going to be a little confusing because Bradish, I believe, is the best Orioles starter. I, I still think that. 
So when he comes back, they're going to have to make room. We're going to talk about that, obviously, over the next few weeks, but that's going to be a complicated situation. Yeah, they, they, they think that he, there's no fracture there. It's just a contusion on his foot. So they believe that he's going to be uh, back and ready to go as soon as he's able to be. Yeah. Um, which I believe would be April 19th. Because yeah, he went on the 15-day IL um, retroactive to April 4th. Yeah. Uh, there's a 10-day IL. There's a 15-day IL. He is on the 15-day IL. Um, so they expect him back as soon as he's able to be back. And then where do you go from there? You know, if Dean Kramer is still struggling, if he's still allowing three, four, five runs every start, does he get replaced in the rotation? Um, I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. But look, we've been saying it all offseason. It's a good problem to have. Mm -hmm. Grayson Rodriguez pitching well at the big league level. That's not a problem. That's awesome. And so far, he looked the part. Yeah. Well, it, it's, you know, Tyler Wells really was the guy that got that five spot. Yeah. And Grayson was the six. So you were correct in thinking that it would probably be Grayson coming up, and, and that obviously happened. So Tyler Wells, to me, was the one guy that wasn't as sure. We were debating whether it would be Grayson before the season or it would be Tyler Wells. And Tyler mm -hmm. Wells got that spot. But after Tyler Wells pitched, uh, those five innings that were, uh, you know, just excellent and he has no hit no walk yeah they, they were basically perfect only struck out two but still a really good outing <clears throat> i don't think tyler wells is going to go anywhere if he's doing that he's he's in that rotation so kramer i guess would be the guy out but then cole irvin had kind of a rough start in his first but then again they traded for cole irvin he's a a pitcher you know threw a lot of innings last year and gave him a 3.98 era for the a's and he's a I lefty and he's a lefty i don't necessarily think he would be out kyle gibson it seems like they view him as kind of the number one he started opening day and you know he's gotten he's going to get a, a good amount of uh, of, of starts, uh, probably 30-plus this year. So it's kind of hard to, to sit here and think about who would be the guy out uh, when Kyle Bradish comes back. But, again, these things always tend to work themselves out. Absolutely. Gray Grayson was electric after inning one. He was yeah. The slider, unreal. Uh, the changeup, no, it was okay. Uh, the fastball, he definitely missed his spots a few times. He was trying to nibble a little bit too much for my liking, but that's yeah. Grayson. I mean, he, he tries to hit the black as much as possible. But the slider is that one pitch. If he can get that down consistently where he has the command, you know, a just a little bit better than he has right now, he will be unreal. Well, he will that, be unreal. Uh, I believe it was Nathan Ruiz who pointed it out, that who's going to be on the show later today. Yeah. I believe it was Nathan Ruiz who pointed out that he has – that his spin rate is down on his changeup. Interesting, yeah. And the vertical drop, it has it has diminished. It just didn't look good to me on, on his changeup, yeah. and that it it might not be his best pitch anymore until he can figure that out. Yeah. Um, what I noticed in the first inning is he was yanking his pitches. Uh, when he, when he was releasing, he was pulling his throwing arm across his body, and yeah. he was missing outside a lot. Maybe trying to overthrow a little bit. Yeah. And you went in there, and that just shows you how important Chris Holt and Darren Holmes are to the, to this team. Because he went in there, and they were like, "Look, this is what." And he, when when he came back out, he wasn't throwing ninety eight miles an hour anymore. He was throwing ninety four, ninety five miles an hour, but he was hitting his spots. But then his final strikeout of the game to end his outing, ninety seven miles an hour. Yeah. So the the and dude, Corey Seager, yeah, I believe. yeah, the the dudes got an electric arm, and he. But they're they're teaching him how to use it appropriately and when to really ramp it up and when to kind of ease back a little bit. So it was really nice. It was really nice to see him not get off to a bad start, but figure it out and make the proper adjustments and go mm -hmm. back out there and be dominant against a good Rangers lineup. A good Rangers lineup that before that, that series scored 29 runs in three games, and then they come out against the Orioles and they score seven runs in three games. So it was, especially after what the Orioles staff did in, in Boston. In Boston. Boston. In Boston. 
Um, it was nice to see. Um, Orioles to this point, they're four and three. They've scored five or more runs in five of their seven games, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the games where they scored two runs, they won the ball game two to nothing. Mm-hmm. So the bats are working. The starting pitching is starting to kind of maybe settle in a little bit. They got yeah. they got nice outings from Kyle Gibson from. Um, Tyler Wells, even though his outing technically came out of the bullpen from Grayson Rodriguez, Gene Kramer, we need to see more. Yeah. Two starts to this point, um, he's been hurt by the long ball. You know, I, I thought Dean Kramer yesterday looked okay. I, I wasn't really, and again, I was sitting up in section 356. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a great view. I was seeing him from the side, so there's only so much you can tell. I also think the umpire squeezed him a bit. Yeah. But none, nothing really looked great to me from Dean Kramer yesterday. He got through a lot of hard-hit balls, some decent defense. Jorge Mateo played another really good shortstop yesterday, mm-hmm. I, I thought. In the outfield, Santander played a nice right field as well. He caught some balls that probably should have gotten down. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think anything looked that great to me. There's something not quite right for Dean Kramer right now. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I'm not a pitching expert. but I'm it, not either. By I, I think what... what and what they were saying at, at, during his first start was that he doesn't he hasn't been playing off his fastball enough. That his fastball hit, touches 95, 96 and he needs to be playing off of it more. He keeps throwing too many off-speed pitches. He falls in love with that cutter which is what's getting hit the hardest. Um I don't know. He'll he'll figure it out if he doesn't. The Orioles have have other options. Yep. It's two starts into the season. You know, he had a he he came up and he was really great in June last year and he had a really rough July. But then he was great in August and September, so hard to know what to make of him. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see if he can bounce back. I think he can, uh, but again, if he doesn't, the Orioles have options um, for that. So Ramona Rios, it was nice to see him play a really good game yesterday. He had a couple of hits. Uh, he drove in a run. Um, the Orioles had five different guys driving runs yesterday, yeah. which which is really good to see. And he made a great play. In the eighth inning, Brian Baker comes in after Perez allowed the first three runners to, to reach there in the eighth inning, and he immediately gets a ground ball to third base with runners on first and second, and Arias, the ball was smoked. Mm-hmm. It was smoked down the third base on Arias backhands, it steps on the bag at, at, at third, fires across the first for the double play, they end up getting out of the inning a batter later. The defense was really good there for Arias, he had two hits yesterday, I don't know that I can fault Brandon Hyde at this point for playing Arias at third base over Henderson. No, you can't. Because uh, Henderson, he's made a couple of errors, and he's had a couple yes. of other ones that have gone for infield hits that would have been outs if he made an accurate throw. Yeah. Got a strong arm, not an accurate arm to this point. Arias seems to be a more sure-handed defender at third base. Do you think we're going to see more of him at third and Henderson um, DHing? I mean, I think that'd be the smart play. I, I do think he is. A, that was the one question, I think, with Gunnar Henderson coming up is can he be a good third baseman? Can he be a good shortstop? There was questions about where he'd play. To me, Gunnar Henderson is fine at both of them. I wouldn't say he's a plus defender. I wouldn't really say he's... He, he's pretty average to me from what, mm. I, from what I've seen so far. The arm is good. I just don't necessarily think the glove is as good. But Ramon Arias, gold glove winner last year, he doesn't miss much. He yeah. does, there's not many plays that Ramon Arias can't make at the hot corner. That's important to have. So, yeah, I, I think you'll see a majority of Ramon Arias at, at third base. I, a majority is a bold statement, it, especially, I think especially a lot. early on. They they might. Uh, you got to go with who's going to help you win ball games defensively. But yeah. all, every scout seems to think 
that he's going to be a plus that he's going to be a plus defender at third base, and he could end up being that. But right. he hasn't. Keep in mind, he played a lot of shortstop in the minors as well. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't been like he's had hundreds and hundreds of games at third base yet. So let's wait until he gets there, and then maybe we'll make a, a more fair judgment. Well, and I'll tell you that Jorge Mateo isn't making this easy no. for, for the Orioles because Mateo is off to a tremendous start. He had he two more hits yesterday. He is through seven games this year. Mateo is batting three fifty with a ten eighty five OPS. He's walked three times. He's his slash line is three fifty four thirty five six fifty. Mateo's been the best Oriole. He's he's been absolute and and he's yeah. leads the American League with five stolen bases. He, he has been the best player on the team. Yeah, it's and he's consistently batting eighth or ninth in this batting mm-hmm. order. Do I think he's going to hit two eighty this year? Absolutely not. No. I think he's going to come back down to earth, but. He's doing exactly what the Orioles need to see from him. They yeah. needed to see him get off to a hot offensive start, and there's pressure behind him. It's the same thing with Ryan Mountcastle. You look down at the minors right now at AAA, and O'Hearn's hitting, Lewin Diaz is hitting, Lester's hitting. They're all smoking the ball yeah, Josh still. Lester had like three home runs in a he game. He had a three-homer game in game yeah. two of the season. He had four home runs the first two games. Um, O'Hearn had a two-homer game, I think, the other day. The, uh, there's left-handed power bats at first base that pushed Ryan Mountcastle to spring. He had a monster spring, and he's got off to a, gotten off to a nice start. Yeah, um, for the Orioles right now, Mateo had the same pressure. Westberg had a good spring. Um, Connor Norby had a decent spring. Joey Ortiz is a really good player. He's got these, and Gunnar Henderson's right over there at third base. They all can play shortstop, except for Norby. Norby's a second baseman. He's got a lot of pressure, and right now, he's taking the pressure, and he's handling with a great aplomb. He's out there making the plays. He's swinging the bat. Even he's walking a little bit. He's walking a little bit. He's off to a start that you really love to see, and again, another good problem to have if, yeah. if Jorge Mateo is that kind of player. Well, there there literally hasn't been a weakness in his game. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen one yet. Yeah, it's his at bats look better. Oh he, yeah, he, oh he, yeah. He's laying off pitches that we've seen him swing and miss at a lot in the last year and a half. So really nice to see Mateo off to a really great start here. Uh, we're gonna get Stan the fan on the line here in just a matter of moments. Want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Pressbox. Pressbox is Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Grayson Rodriguez's father, Gilbert, after his son's emotional debut. Former Ravens tight end Nick Boyle and NFL Network and John Boy host Chris Rose. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Joining us now, he is back for his weekly segment. He is Stan the Fan. Charles, Stan, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, good morning, Zach, and... And you, young man, how are you? I'm, I'm, well, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, I, I, I like being called a young man because I was at the Jimmy's tailgoat yesterday, and I did not feel all that young amongst all those 21 and 22 year olds. So, Stan, you did. Right. Were you at the game yesterday? Yes, I was. Uh, and your take on the Orioles get that win seven to six. Kramer four earned runs in five innings. He allowed another big home run. Bullpen a little shaky again. But the Orioles have managed to pull out that victory, get to four and three on the season. What have you seen to this point? Um, well, mostly, mostly positives. Um, I would have liked to see Kramer take back that one pitch to Cordero. Yeah, uh, you know that was I. 
turned to my cousin and I said, this guy's dangerous today. And sure enough, the next pitch, he hits a three-run homer. Uh, what I, what I most, my biggest observation or takeaway though is that the bullpen is uh, is very shaky without without Tate and Givens, and it's an, it's kind of amazing that uh, oh you know I I give Mike a lot of credit, Mike Elias a lot of credit for not just resting on what the bullpen did last year. I thought it was a very smart move to bring Givens in mm-hmm. uh, because because somebody was going to be less effective than they were last year. And to me, Givens was a big step up over Joey Crable and even Baker, uh, to, to my way of thinking. And unfortunately, Tate and Givens haven't been able to go to the post. And it's, uh, it's, it's showing a little bit. I think it's the weakest link on the club right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I do like bringing in Danny Coulomb. I think that he, um, when he's healthy, he's a legitimate left-handed reliever. I think he's done a nice job. I think that CNL, mm-hmm. I think CNL Perez has pitched fine to this point in the year. I, but yesterday he threw five pitches to uh, to get three outs there in the seventh inning, and mm-hmm. they brought him back out for the eighth. And I said to myself, I don't know that you give him two ups. But he only threw five pitches, so I was like, you know what? He only threw five pitches. It makes sense. And he immediately right. allows three consecutive base hits and a run before they end up taking him yeah. out in favor of Brian Baker. Do you think that that's one of those things, Dan, where it was because he had the two ups or he just was missing his spots yesterday? I get it. I think you, sometimes you just got to give the other team credit. At, at Cabrera, looks like he's going to be a terrific uh, player to make. Yeah. Uh, for the Yankees, I just like I like his game a lot. Um, you know, I I couldn't get into too deep a dive into what you know the five pitch thing. To me, I would have kept him out there. I would have tried to milk him a little bit more. You know, but luckily uh, Brian Baker was able to come in and uh, you know and get the job done in, in an emphatic way. That was quite a strikeout he had yesterday. Mm-hmm. Stan, what do you make of the the Aaron Boone comments after the game where he was asked basically if the Orioles are contenders and when they are going to be contenders? And his reply was, as far as I'm concerned, they're a tough team to beat and they're contenders now. You know you've got to play well to beat them. They're a formidable opponent. What do you what do you make of that? I think it's a sign of respect. Uh, you know, there's, there, there's really only one way a guy can answer that at yeah. this point in the season. If you show disrespect, it's it's up on the uh, you know it's up on the clubhouse wall uh, that uh, he disrespected us. But I I think I think this is a very very tough division. The games that we play in this division, they're going to be a lot of close ball games. I mean, look at the three against Boston. You know, it was unfortunately we let that one squeak away, but but we were right in all three games. They were really nail biters. And this first one with the Yankees was a nail-biter. And I think that's the way these games will most likely be all season long. I think the Orioles have stepped into where they can be taken seriously. I don't know if we have quite the depth of talent uh, to to hang with the Yankees in Toronto all year. And Tampa, I'm disrespecting Tampa a little bit. But uh, I think we're, we're right there with them, you know. Yeah, the, the the look the Orioles are they. You can make an argument that they should be five and two or six and one, but you know we do this with the Ravens too. Oh, the Ravens should be eight and one when they're when they're you know five and four. Or right, five you and know. three or yeah, well, yeah. 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 We, we we do this all the yeah, time. Yeah, you are what you kind of are what you are. Yeah, you 
can can on the side you can say what well, we really should be. You know, uh, we are where we are right now. Yeah, but know? look, they they went into Texas. They took two or three from a, from a much improved Rangers ball club that scored twenty nine runs their first three games and held them to seven runs in the in the series. Um, Jorge Mateo looks like a difference maker. Zach was just saying right before you came on um, came on the show, stay like the best. Bet. Mateo looks like the best player on the team right now. I don't know that I would go that far, but he's walking, he's hitting the ball solidly, he's playing great defense, he's leading the American League in stolen bases. He looks like a different player. Do you see something different from his approach? Do you see the way that he's swinging the bat as an improved approach at the plate? I don't really see it as different. I, I thought last season we had two Jorge Mateos. We had the, the one from, say, April 1st to about June 15th. Then we had the one for about June 15th to August 5th or something like that. You could you could go back on baseball reference and look at the game logs and see what I'm talking about. Right. And then, then he fell back in the last six weeks of the season to being that other guy. Uh, the guy we didn't want offensively. And if you look at when the club was playing its best baseball, it's when he was playing really top-notch baseball, you know, offensively, that he was an entity on the team. So if they can get more of an entity out of him more more time this year, uh, they're going to be tougher. You know, look, his, his on-base percentage last year, I think, was 269. We were talking about it on the uh, Glenn Clark show yesterday, Glenn Clark radio show. And we're not talking about Mateo becoming a 330 or a 320 on-base guy. If he could get to 305, you know, 300, think about all that many more times that he's on base creating havoc. Um, And I will tell you that watching him without the shifts – his defense is even, you know, it's it's more brilliant to watch, you know, how much athleticism he brings to the position. I agree. He made a play the other day against Texas where it was a slow grounder up the middle. He fielded it, and it looked like the ball hit his glove and got into his throwing hand at the exact same time. It was so smooth and so fast to get a speedy yeah. runner out of first base. His defense has been really good. Uh, last year and to this point in, in the season so far. Um, Gunnar Henderson, on the other hand, the defense has been a little shaky over there at third base. The bat ha- is maybe starting to wake up. Sandy has two multi-hit games in his last three games played, but he also has eight strikeouts in those three games. He got 12 strikeouts in six games. Uh, he started out with six walks in the first two or three games of the, of the season, and he hasn't walked since. What are you seeing from Gunnar Henderson offensively and defensively, right now it looks like the smarter play is to play Ramona Rios at third base. Yeah, I would, uh, I, you know, I don't want to bury him as a designated hitter sure. at his age. Uh, and I think he's a, a overall plus defender. His arm over there, uh, I, you know, I'm not as confident in his throws over to first base as I am Urias. Um But what I like is... Uh, the, the six walks are impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to worry too much about his strikeouts as long as he's walking. Uh, so I'm seeing some good bats out of him. Uh, I think he's pressing a little bit. You know, there's a lot expected of him. And, uh, you know, not that he was up all year last year, but this is what the sophomore jinx is all about is 
building up expectations in your first season and then not quite being able to get to them again, you seem like a disappointment. You start pressing, you start trying to be what you were the year before when all players are evolving constantly, you know? So I think it's a little bit of a mental, uh, mental situation. Remember, it's really, he's entering into the, the deep water at a very young age. I'm not really worried about him. Um, but you know, I would have liked to seen him got off a little hotter, uh, batting average wise, but I love the on base percentages is there where you want them to be. That's why he's going to be an impact player yeah. because he gets on base. Well, Stan, you mentioned on base percentage. The Orioles are second in the American League with a 350 team on base percentage and also second with a 469 team slugging percentage. The approach this year looks better up and down the lineup. They all seem to be taking better at bats. You don't really see anybody that you're like, oh man, that was a really terrible at bat, at least not to this point. Do you think that this has been a team-wide thing that they, that they really focus on because they were so bad at it last year? Um, not quite that sophisticated in understanding what they're doing different. I think that, sure. uh, I think the club sent a subtle message to Ryan Mountcastle, a not so subtle <laughs> message to him by all the traffic of, uh, left-handed hitting first baseman, um, that they had coming through camp. Um, and one of which I would have liked to have held on to, uh, I would have liked to have held on to Cadero, Cordero over McKenna. Um, I think he was a, a more of a plus bat, um, not a not a plus defender despite McKenna's problem. But I, I just think I think Hayes and Mountcastle were kind of due to to put it start putting it together. I mean they're not kids anymore, and they've got to they've got to become part of the solution here, not part of the problem. And I think a little bit, you know, Hayes's injuries have uh, always set him back. Uh, he looks he looks much more confident at the plate than at any time I've seen him. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that those two guys can uh, really do a nice job this year. I think that would go a long way uh, in deciding whether or not the Orioles are contenders this year. Yeah, and they're off. They're off to good starts. Everybody seems to be pulling their weight. Cedric Mullins, his average dropped to two oh seven, but he leads the team in RBIs. Um, so they are. They're they're all swinging it well and doing their part to contribute to a nice four and three start on the season. Stan Grayson Rodriguez gets called into action earlier than we expected after he was sent down back down to AAA coming into the season. Um, Kyle Bradish takes that 104 mile an hour line drive off his right foot, has the right foot, the, the contusion there. He's on the IL, but they expect him to be back as soon as he's ready to come back, as soon as those 15 days are up. Grayson Rodriguez steps in, 30 pitches, two runs allowed, walks the leadoff hitter in his first inning. And then over the next four innings, 50 pitches, no walks, no runs. Did you notice any particular adjustments? One thing I saw that I, I commented in the first inning, it looked like he was yanking his pitches. And then he really settled down after that. Do you think that it was more so nerves than anything else in that first inning? Uh, that's what that's what I think. Yeah, I think uh, he was just uh, had the butterflies going, and uh, you're not human if you don't have them, and you got to turn them into a positive. And I think he was able to to do that from the second inning through the fifth inning. Uh, it was a very positive outing by him. Uh, because now he's sort of broken through a barrier of getting through a fourth inning and even a fifth. So now 
uh, he's set a standard for what he can do, uh, you know, and uh, hopefully he can, uh, he doesn't have to be the Cy Young Award winner this year. He just has to give his team a chance to win games and let them take care of the rest of it. And uh, I think, I, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic now that he's crossed a barrier, you know. Do you think, Stan, that he's here to stay as long as he continues to pitch well, or do you think that he's the first one sent back down as soon as Bradish is ready to go again? I think if he's pitching well, they're going to figure a way to, to, to make him stay, and that, that, that could be, you know, using Bradish when he comes back. You know, Bradish is going to have to be built back up again. Right? You know, right. I saw Kyle yesterday, and I asked him after the game how he's doing, and he said, he's you know, come along. He's not in a lot of pain now, so uh, he'll get he'll get the rest he needed. But along with that comes the need to build back up. And you know, there there are going to be ways to have Grayson Rodriguez on this uh, pitching staff. And again, I point out that instead of trying to recreate the wheel, as great as Tyler Wells was in that five inning outing. You know, with Givens and Tate not here right now, and the need being there late in ball games, there's plenty of ways to keep. If Grayson Rodriguez is pitching well, you don't have to worry about what he's going to do the day he's pitching. You got to worry about how you're going to get through other games. And to me, Wells could be the uh, again a pivotal person. Well, and Sam, I'm, not... I'm not rooting. I'm not rooting for Wells to do poorly. What's he pitching tomorrow? I uh, I, I, starting tomorrow? I think so. I know Irvin's going today, and it would make sense that it would be yeah. Wells to yeah, start tomorrow. Yeah, I think tomorrow. it's Wells tomorrow. Uh, it's not like I'm sitting there going, God, I hope he pitches three and a third and gives up three runs to prove my point that he's better. I just think right now the time of the game that you need somebody is Wells, and locking him in to being a starting pitcher seems like you're taking away a weapon Later in ball games, especially I mean, don't get me started. Again, I again, uh, I think the problems in the bullpen, the absence of Givens and Tate, would not be as severe right now if they would have done what they said they were doing last July, which was changing DL Hall to relief pitcher. So, yeah. Anyway, th- there's there's that's a an couple argument of, for another day. It, it, it certainly is, and there there are, and I'm glad you brought up Tyler Wells because he was going to be the next point that I made. Look, he came in, and when you look at what the Orioles starters did in in that Texas series, if you count Tyler Wells' outing as coming from a starter, even though he came in in the third inning, they were phenomenal. Right. Grayson, uh, Kyle Gibson, and Tyler Wells just shut down the Texas Rangers offense. In that series, Wells, five innings, no hits, no walks, no runs. You can't get any better than that. So when it's time for Bradish to come back, though, I think that he is a weapon at the back end of your bullpen. Even with how well he pitched the other day, that bullpen is struggling right now, and they need somebody that they know can come in and shut down the opposition. I don't want to punish him for doing a great job, but he has the experience doing it, Stan. It, to me, it just it makes too much much sense not to do at this point. I, I don't I don't know, man. It's yeah. it's 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 hard because he's pitched, Look, he pitched I've, so well. I've been I've been right I've been right about certain players in this in this situation. I I was a hundred percent right twenty some years ago when I argued about Arthur Rhodes mm-hmm. that he was a relief pitcher, not a not a failed starter. 
and he had a great career for 20 years as a relief pitcher, right. a significant relief pitcher. He was he was never really a quote unquote closer, but man, he could get you to that ninth inning, you know. Uh, and I see a lot of that in Wells. Now, I argued five years ago that Kevin Gosman was, I looked at his scattered minor league work, and I thought, this guy's a, a weapon late in games. I proved to be wrong on that. I tend to, to look at somebody that's not doing a job as a starter, and I try and look for a positive outcome for that person. So I'm right sometimes, I'm wrong sometimes. I know I'm right on D.L. Hall. He will never be a meaningful starting pitcher in the major leagues. Wells, my reason for wanting him as a weapon later in games is I think the more innings he pitches as a starter, the more there's a chance of a physical breakdown. Yeah. And I feel actually a lot that that's what's kept D.L. Hall from developing is he's never able to go to the post, you know, 28 times a year and give you six innings and build up the innings. And I don't know why they don't see it's, you know, that they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. To me, I see him and I think I see right through what he is. That's not a negative that I see him as a bullpen arm. I see him as a real weapon late in games. Yeah. Uh, look, if, if it can help the ball club, if him being, if these guys that are starters right now can help the team where they're the weakest, which is in the bullpen, okay, then let them do it. You and I have a dip, very differing opinion on D.L. Hall. He didn't do himself any favors in his first start down in AAA, but then again, neither did Grayson. He came up and looked really good against Texas. Right. Right. You know what I mean? The Orioles are intent on keeping both of them as, as starters right now, it seems. They may have a decision to make down the line here because you can only have so many starters in your rotation, and you need help in that bullpen. So, you know, it's going to come to a point where they have to make that decision, and I think that they'll end up making the right one, hopefully, for um, the ball club. Uh, Stan, we got we got to get going here. What do you have coming up this yep. week? Uh, to Monday night, Ross and I will have author Lee Lowenfish, who just happened to be a professor of mine at UMBC back in the early 70s in American Studies. He's written many, many books on baseball. He's got a book now on scouting called uh, Endangered Species. Um, the, I, I forgot the, the rest of the title, but it's basically about how scouting has changed and how it's moved toward, you know, you, you very few teams have those older, wiser scouts about the way they looked at the game. Now it's a younger, more analytical approach to scouting. And it's a, an interesting read. It's on Nebraska Press. Lee has uh, written about five or six books on baseball over the years, including The Imperfect Diamond, The Art of Pitching with Tom Seaver, and uh, and uh, what's it called? The uh, Ferocious Gentleman on Branch Rickey. Uh, and this is another really quality book that he's written. All right, excellent. So we will certainly look forward to that, Stan. Have That's a great six week. O'clock on, 6 o'clock on Monday. Do you have okay, anything guys. coming up on Thursday? Uh, we'll either have the president of Stevenson University, Elliot Hirschman, or uh, athletic director Brett Adams talking about the uh, the opening of the east side of their campus, which has a lot of interesting stuff with athletics. All right. We'll be looking for that this coming week. Stan, have a great week. We'll talk to you next Saturday. All right. All right. Talk to you next Saturday. Right, Bye, see you. guys. Bye.
Notwithstanding the fan, Charles, who continues to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, standing former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. It was a strange week for Stan this past week, but if you missed either of the shows he did with Press Box's Luke Jackson, one discussing his initial MLB power rankings and the other discussing the Orioles' start, you can find them under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back this Monday for a night for another great show, and Stan and Gary are back on Thursday with another great show. So tune in for those. Um, Stan and I very strongly disagree. You do. About about D.L. Hall. You do. And we've had a number of back-and-forth moments about that on this show, so I didn't want to do that again. Look, if ultimately stands right and DL has to go to the bullpen, I can, you know, make my peace with that mm-hmm. if if it's what's best for the ball club. I don't know that that's the case yet. And look, he didn't pitch very well in his uh debut no. start down there his and not many debut. innings either. Yeah, and but neither did Grayson. No, that's in, true. In, in his true. first inning he came up and he looked dominant from the first from the second inning on against Texas. So, DL Hall, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And to to go out there and prove it, because anytime he's always been told he's too small or he's too this or he's too that, and he keeps proving people wrong, uh, I'm willing to give him, like I said, the benefit of the doubt and go out there and prove it. But if he gets through May and he's got a four and a half ERA out of that rotation and he's still walking five guys per nine, that's when it's like, all right, man. The, the, as much yeah. as I hate, as much as I believe in his talent, the writing's kind of on the wall. The thing about about Tyler Wells. He hasn't done anything to deserve being kicked out of the rotation. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with Stan there that Wells is a a long-time reliever right now. He's, he's basically saying that's what they should do with Wells. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think the Orioles have really, if you look at it, and you include John Means, who's obviously not healthy right now, they have seven legitimate, really good starting pitching options right now. Seven they, they, legitimate guys, if you include John Means, who will be back at some point this season, we hope. So, to me, Tyler Wells is one of those guys, until he proves that he's not. Well, the thing about Tyler Wells, he's going to be 29 in August. Mm-hmm. He's not He's not old. No. But he's 29 years old. Yeah. Pro- and probably going to hit his peak it, in his career some point soon. It, and he's been he, he he's been hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. And Stan's point is that it's not that he's a failed starter. It's that you keep him healthy by keeping him in the bullpen and having him be an impact arm for you at the back end of your, their, your bullpen, which they sorely need they do. right now. Like, it's legitimately Coulomb, Perez, and Bautista are the only ones yeah. you know, pitching worth their salt right now coming out of that bullpen. Everybody else, you're kind of like clutching your pearls a little yeah. bit when they come into the ball game. So to me, like... They've never need, needed Dylan Tate so bad. They yeah. need Dylan Tate. They Michael need- Givens is a great signing because he he brings that veteran experience. He brings a, a calm to that bullpen that they don't really have. Yeah, but he's got to be out there. And they, yeah, they don't exactly, have that yet. Exactly. I, I'm interested in, to know how he's coming along. I do want to ask Nathan yeah. Ruiz if, if there's any updates about uh, Michael Givens. What I really hate is this new rule that apparently they can't call up somebody that they sent down to the minors to start the year until until April 15th. I didn't know that. Because Nick Vespi could be helping this ball club right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, um, and I would much rather and I would much rather see him in that bullpen than Keegan Aiken. 
at, at this point, I know Keegan Aiken can give you innings. That's what I was going to say. But Lamp. I don't look at Keegan Aiken as a high leverage reliever. I look at him as a guy. Yeah. Last year, so last year, league average for inherited runners allowed to score by a reliever, league average was 31%. Mm. Keegan Aiken was the worst on the team of qualified relievers. 37% of inherited, of inherited runners scored. This year, three of four inherited yeah. runners have scored against Keegan Aiken. He's come in with a runner on first base and immediately given up an RBI double. Like, Yeah, not or, what you want. And that's what we saw in the second half. He was really, really good the first two months of the season last mm. year. But from June on, he wasn't. He just he just wasn't good. Yeah. But his ERA stayed low because a lot of the runs he a good bit of the runs he gave up were inherited runners. Yeah. You can't have that. You know, your starter needs to be able to trust the guys coming in after him. And if if Dean Kramer goes out there and he allows the leadoff guy to get on base in the sixth in the sixth inning, and then the the reliever immediately comes in and allows that runner to score. Yeah. That, should, that, that run should be charged to the reliever. You came in with a runner on first base in an inning, and you let that runner score. Yeah. Like, they had to get, they had to go 270 feet to score, and you let that happen. That run should be on the on the reliever. Kyle Gibson allows the first two guys to reach base in on opening day. Keegan Aiken comes in, and he immediately allows both of those runners to score. Keegan Aiken's ERA is zero at the end of that game, and mm-hmm. Kyle Gibson's a 720 because Keegan Aiken couldn't come in and do his job. Yeah. But that falls on on um, Gibson, even though they were both weakly hit base hits, and one of them should have been caught. Santander took a step back instead of, instead of coming in. Uh, to me, your relievers have to be better. you got to stop letting these inherited runners score, and if you can't trust... What is it? They have... If you can't trust... Five eighths of your of your bullpen at this point. Yeah, you've got to do something else. And if Tyler Wells is that something else, you should be willing to take a look at it. He or was, maybe DL Hall. Is or, that or, something or, or, else? Or, right. Or maybe DL Hall. But DL Hall's in the minors right now. Tyler Wells is here. Yeah. You know what I mean. So that we're, and they can't call him up till the fifteenth. So this is what you have to do right now. Look, I I do like the fact that Tyler Wells is in the rotation right now. He's earned it. He pitched really well. And look, he volunteered to do that. On Tuesday, he knew. I'm sorry. On Monday, he knew that the Orioles needed somebody. That they were looking at, you know, having their backs against the wall with with a, a bullpen that frankly pitched far too much in the opening yeah. series. And he volunteered. He went out there and he did his job. He did. He was balls to the wall, and he was absolutely brilliant in that game. He earned the right to start on Sunday. He earned the right to be in this rotation. At some point, you got to figure out, and maybe maybe they don't. Maybe Dylan, maybe the bullpen kind of settles in. Dylan Tate and Michael Givens come come in, and they help things out. Maybe they bring up uh, Nick Vespi, who has yet to allow a run since 2021 at the AAA level. Maybe that's something that they do. But right now, the fact that you can only trust three guys in your bullpen, yeah, that's not good. it's concerning. I, you know, I don't really think Vespi is going to make a huge difference. I mean, he's a little bit of deceptive arm slot. He's a little bit lower, and this, it, he just doesn't throw that hard. He's like ninety on the fastball on a, on a good day, and then the the slider's good. I mean, it's the the breaking stuff is definitely where I, I think Nick Vespi makes makes his money is I guess the right word for it but he doesn't really throw very hard he's not overpowering but he'll finesse it by you and that's I guess the the attraction of a lefty with a weird arm slot but yeah. I, I he definitely could help we could see I mean Nick Vespi hasn't really had a lot of major league chances so far maybe 10 at most I think games and, appeared and, in, so. and his ERA was inflated last year mm-hmm. because they brought him in in, in mop-up duty. T- tough and, situations and, 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 well in one game in particular I can't remember what it was but they 
they were getting they were getting handed to him, and they brought him in in mop up duty, and he allowed like five runs. But aside from that, I thought he was good at the major league level. For some reason, he was brought. Dylan Tate gives up uh, like a leadoff double or something like that against Boston, um, and they bring in Vespi to with at, with the go ahead run at. Um, at the plate, they bring him mm-hmm. in to face Eric Hosmer, who has reverse splits, hits lefties far better than righties, and he immediately hits a 420-foot triple yeah. to give Boston the lead. To me, that was like that was just an awful situation to put Vespi in because Hosmer feasts on pitchers like that. Right. So for me, he wasn't brought in in the right situations. He earned he's earned the opportunity to be at the big league level. Mm-hmm. Pitched to a zero ERA in the minors last year. He's done it to the this year to this point. Who else are you going to bring up? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, again, I still think D.L. Hall. I, I'm more on Stan's side than I am on yours. I, I want to keep. I get o- that. I want to keep an open mind, and I want to make sure that he gets the chances he deserves, and I think that's important. But I do think in the long term, D.L. Hall is a reliever, and he hasn't proven to me yet that he is a efficient and a starter that can go more than four innings. Yeah. That's, that's the it's, biggest thing for me. It's very... The stuff is amazing. It's very frustrating to know how good he is, Mm -hmm. how talented his arm is, and watch him go out there and not have command. Right. It's really, really, and then throw four innings, and it's really, really difficult. He 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 needs to figure it out, or it's going to be his fault that he's not a starter. Because literally, you weren't here, but when we had Keith Law on, he said, "I love DL Hall. I believe that he can be an elite starter in this league. DL Hall is the one is the thing holding DL Hall back." Yeah, it's you know, probably true. He, he says that you know he doesn't use his 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 elite spin rate fastball to his advantage. He tries to nibble. He tries he instead of just going after guys, yeah. he tries to get them to swing at his pitch, and it's not working out for him. I hope he can figure it out because I really think the Orioles can have one of the best young rotations in baseball, maybe as early as the second half of this season, if Hall does figure it out. He's getting the opportunity. It's up to him. Before we get before we uh, get out of here for our first break, you have a sounding off segment that you want to do, Zach. Sounding off today brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Well, good thing the Orioles pushed the wall back uh, because, according to a new study, Climate change, uh, and I don't want to get political here, Paul. I'm not, I'm not going to get political with this, but this is what the study said. It was all over the news. Uh, this is from Fox News specifically. Uh, climate change is going to cause over 50 more home runs in Major League Baseball per year. And I love weird baseball news, and this is the epitome of weird baseball news. They did a study where basically they found out that the air getting warmer, the air getting more dense uh, over the period of the entire baseball season is going to allow for a lot more power in Major League Baseball. And we see Major League Baseball every year, you know, deadening the ball, making the ball more juiced. I don't know what they've done this year. I think we have yet to find out. But it's going to play a big factor, I think, in, in the coming years in what Major League Baseball does with park fences, what they do with baseballs, uh, what they do with bats. I mean, there's a lot of things you can make, you know, more juiced or more dead uh, to affect ball flight, affect how, you know, how far a ball goes. And they've been doing things in, in Major League Baseball stadiums for a while now, and I'm, I'm blanking on the word at the moment. Um, I, I probably should have Googled the word. but oh, Like the humidifier stuff? Yes, it, 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 it's it, in exactly. Colorado. Exactly, right. So they, they do these things where essentially they, they try to either deaden the air or deaden the ball or, or something along those lines. So this is going to play a big factor. And it's, it's again, it's weird baseball news. But we're probably only going to see that number increase uh, as, as time goes on. But we're going to see more power. And I think MLB is going to have to you know kind of figure out a way to deal with this. So this was from a uh, University of Illinois uh 
let's see what what exactly is his title. I'm trying to figure out. Uh, he's a physicist at the University of Illinois. Um, and this You're is, a physicist. his name is <laughs> Alan Nathan. Uh, and he said, when air heats up, molecules move faster and away from each other, making the air less dense. Baseballs launched off a bat go farther through thinner air because there's less resistance to slow the ball. Just a little bit farther can mean the difference between a home run and a flyout. That was the quote directly from uh, Alan Nathan. So we're going to see a lot more power in Major League Baseball in the next few years. I thought it's a really interesting study. You can go read it uh, from from Fox News on, on what they posted online. But uh, it's pretty it's pretty fascinating. We'll see how this ends up happening. But good thing I, the Orioles fence got pushed back because you may see some more home runs. In, I don't in future think years. the that they need to do anything about it. I don't think they need to do anything. Maybe about just let it. it play out. Sure. Because look, you want you you're trying to make games faster and you're trying to make games more exciting. You make mm-hmm. the bases bigger. You claim it's for safety. You want more stolen bases. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like which is already like, happening. By and the way. home runs being up. Oh no. Oh no! Like everybody, like <laughs> home runs are fun, man. That, yeah. Like yeah. people, people want to see home runs. Like it, that's why they had the, the commercial back in '98. Chicks dig the long ball yeah, with you Mark know, McGuire. Yeah, and, and Tom Glavin and yeah. <laughs> Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox. They're like chicks dig the long ball. Next thing you know, they're dropping bombs at the end of the yeah. commercial. Yeah. It, it, like, it, like people want to see home runs. I, I, I don't care. Like, I, not the, It's not that I don't care about no, the I, segment. I, I don't think they have a problem. I, I, it's probably not a problem, but like, I, I think it's just interesting news. I, I love hearing this kind of random baseball news. It's always fun. That's to, why I like putting it in sounding. No, it, it's cool. And the funny thing is my wife and I were talking about climate change last night. Like mm-hmm. Right before we went to bed, we were That's talking about... That's a weird thing about, to talk about. <laughs> well, be, because we went to the... Or, the we were supposed to have opening day on Thursday, and it was mm-hmm. 85 degrees and sunny. Yeah. And then the next day, it was legitimately 30 degrees colder outside yeah. and awful out. And they pushed it back to that day. And so we were talking about climate change um, a little bit, and then I wake up this morning to your sounding off segment, and it's about climate change. <laughs> That's funny. And I just thought that I was, I was like, what? That's well, so Well, Major random. League Baseball will see the effects of it as well a lot of different industries because you have more extreme weather, and they're going to have to figure out ways to get around that. You'll see more rain, probably some more snow in, in March and things like that because it does cause more extreme weather. And then, of course, you have the direct performance uh, things like this where you could see more home runs, uh, maybe... I don't know how it could affect pitch shape, pitch speed. You just don't know. I mean, there's so many different things that could happen. Exit velocities could go up. <laughs> I love this stuff. I think it's interesting. I can tell. You're, I might you're, be the you're, only you're, one. You're, you're getting, but you're getting fired. By the way, that, I need to that, find some analytics on this. I like that hat. You, you wear that hat well. It's, I, nice, it's I, a nice it, looking it, hat. It is a good hat. It yeah. is a good hat. It's a good I got, hat. I got told by someone the other day, they said, you need a Bass Pro hat. And I said, I will never in this world wear a Bass Pro hat. No, I got to wear the North Face. I'm sorry. Face. I got to wear the North yeah, Face. Yeah. I got to tell you, who, who wanted all these Orioles hats with mesh backs? I see. I actually like the mesh backs. I don't. I, no, I, not not on baseball hats though. Not I, on baseball. I, hats. I don't need like they have the Orioles have some hats that I really like, mm-hmm. and then the back is mesh, and I'm like, I want nothing to do with this hat. Really, I actually see this one is. And yeah, I, I can I, see I, that. I like That's that. what made me think of it. Yeah, it, it, the for baseball caps, I like traditional baseball yeah. caps. I, and yeah. I I I enjoy. So I got. Um, a new Orioles hat the other day. Mm-hmm. This is a new hat, by the not, way. Not, also. not you. Yeah, no, I, not like <laughs> I have fifty already. I got a new Orioles hat a couple of weeks ago. That was, it's the stretch flex fit. Okay, but it has the ornithologically correct bird on it. Okay, which um somebody asked me at the golf course the other day. They were like, "Which one do you like better?" I'm like, "I like them all." I was like, honestly, I know that that I, I hate that I'm old enough now that the that the ornithologically correct bird is retro, because mm-hmm. um, it was a ha- it was a bird I grew up seeing on yeah. the Orioles hats. I, I like them all. I, don't I mean, really it was there care. until 2012, so yeah. it's not that old. But I I like that material, and the only legitimate Orioles hat that they make with that material is the ornithologically correct bird. Yeah, I wish they made them all like that, and I like 
these um, the ones that I saw that I liked yesterday, they had that material on the front, but then the mesh on the back and it ruined the hat. Mm-hmm. We got to get a break. We got Nathan Ruiz coming up next. Uh, that's next on the Battle Round. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualify teams will be announced. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. All right, welcome back in to the batter. I'm rolling right along here on the show today. I want to remind you, these are the final days to pick up this print issue of PressBox. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we met lacrosse players from the men's and women's college uh, programs across the state, and Bo Smolka breaks down another year of wide receiver issues for the Ravens. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can always find the entire edition as well as the Desk Bailey, the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Just a matter of moments until we get a uh, until we get Nathan Ruiz on the line here on the bat around today. Orioles coming off a seven to six victory over the Yankees on opening day. Some good, some bad from Dean Kramer. He had four scoreless frames in his first five innings, but he gave up that big three run homer 
to Franchi Cordero in the fourth inning. And what's really been kind of hampering him all through the spring and to this point in the season through two starts is the cutter's just not doing its job and it's getting hit a long way. He seems to be giving up a big home run every time he goes out there. But the Orioles managed to pull out the victory 7-6. to six. Jorge Mateo swinging a hot bat right right now. Ramon Arias kind of got off the schneid a little bit yesterday with a couple of base hits and a really great defensive play at third base to get the Orioles out of a jam there in the eighth inning. Um, the nice backhanded play to start a double play. So again, the Orioles come away with a 7-6 victory, 4-3 and three on the season. And with that victory, they jumped the Yankees in the American League East standings. They are now a half game back of Toronto, who is 5-3. Tampa Bay, 7-0. Off to a hot start here. They've won seven straight games to start the year, and every game that they've won has been by four runs or more. The last team to win seven straight games by four runs or more at any point in the season was the 2001 Seattle Mariners, who did it in uh, September of that season. The last team to start 7-0 and to begin a year was your 2016 Baltimore Orioles. And if you remember... They also won their last five games to, to get back to 500 to end the year in 2015. So it was really a 12-game winning streak for the Orioles, and that's what propelled them into their, their last playoff run, which wasn't much of a run. It was a wild-card game loss where Zach Britton was sitting in the bullpen. Uh, what was it, the 13th inning when Ubaldo Jimenez gave up that walk-off home run to Ed, Edwin, as um as Gary Thorne would say, Edwin Aaron Kernarsi Aaron. Um, got a, that, that's the one thing I miss about Gary is is his pronunciation of some yeah. difficult um some difficult names. He just he just flew by the seat of his oh, pants. He said, "Screw it, I'm just going to say it how I say if it." If you've ever seen the Pujols clip, uh, you, oh you know my, what Paul's, oh <laughs> what Paul's talking about. There was there was a game, and I still have the recording on my phone somewhere, mm-hmm. where the Orioles got out of a jam. <laughs> But they were down by like two runs. And it was the eighth inning. It was like the end of the eighth inning or whatever. And he's like, oh, and he gets out of it. And the Orioles are still within. And he was trying to say striking distance and hitting distance. Yeah. And he said, essing distance. Mm. I still have the clip on my phone. The Orioles are within essing distance. Like, but he actually said the word. Yeah. And I, 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 I was like, what? I was like, what did you just say? And that faux pas that he made. And Pujols is. Not retired. Retired. <laughs> um, wow. That you, Gary just he, and he just didn't care. I love that guy. Yeah. I, the thing is, I used to not like Gary Thorne. I really? Used, because I remember him getting way too excited mm-hmm. when the opposition got a big hit. Josh Donaldson hit a walk. I was. I remember I was working for Masson and I was behind one of the cameras. And it was in extra innings. They were out in Oakland. It was just back in 2014. And Josh Donaldson hit a walk-off three-run homer. And I was, and he hit it. I believe he hit it off Tommy Hunter. And I was like so upset. And Gary was like, "Josh Donaldson deep to left field, and he did it. It's gone." I'm like, "Do you know who you call games for?" And then he he also did it against the Royals. Where they got a big a big base hit in the in the like in the first inning it was like a bases clearing double or something like that. He got excited, and I'll never forget Nick Markakis robbed um, AJ Perzinski, who was a d bag. Yeah, um, he robbed him of a home run in in Baltimore when he was playing for Boston. He goes Perzinski drives one deep in the right field. Markakis is back. He leaps and oh no, he caught it. And I was like. 
You made a great play, and you said, "Own you you broadcast for the Orioles." Markakis makes a leaping grab at the fence, and you said, "Oh no." He caught it. To defend Gary, sometimes in the heat of the moment, it's hard to describe a play perfectly. I, I, I'll give it to him there. But that that's definitely questionable. I mean, I, I think he has to be somewhat objective. And I think you see Kevin Brown do that to a point now as, as the Orioles lead broadcaster. But, you know, I, I miss Gary Thorne a lot. But Kevin Brown has taken over and, and been excellent in these past it's so two weird and a half, three years. how polarizing somehow he's become. Yeah. You either love Kevin Brown or... Or you hate Kevin I don't Brown. know why people would not like Kevin people Brown. People don't. Some people don't. I love Kevin Brown. I think Kevin Brown's I, I, excellent. I think, I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I think he brings levity to to, to the broadcast. Yep. The when um Who was the guy who played Omar in The Wire? That I don't know. I can't remember, I can his, picture, I can't remember the actor's no name. But, but when he died and then Austin Hayes hit a three-run homer um, and he made the quote. At, when Austin Hayes hit it, he made the quote from Omar. Um, something about King. Oh, my gosh. I can't even remember what the, what the hell the quote was because, admittedly, I've only ever seen one season of The Wire. I hate to say it out loud. I've only no ever comment. seen one season of The Wire. Uh, if you're wondering where Nathan Ruiz is, um, we called him a couple of times. He said he told me 20 minutes before the segment he was good to go. I can we, give a call back if you we want. We called him. Um, you can try. I sent Shoot him a text. Him okay. I sent him a text message saying that we called three times. Called a few times. Um, for all we know, something happened and he had to be, he had to go cover something or maybe he's just indisposed at the moment. I have no idea, but we did try to get him. Zach's going to give him a call again, but I think that Kevin Brown does a great job and we've had him on the show a number of times and he's always great on here. I like Kevin Brown. I think he's a likable guy. I think he's got a good personality. Yeah. He does tend to be a little bit of a jinx for the team, but I mean, if you believe in stuff like that, I guess. It, it, it is funny how he'll say something and then the exact opposite happens right after he says it. But I think he does a great job. And, and uh, to Gary Gary Thorne's credit, I became I, I, I learned to really enjoy Gary Thorne because you could just tell he was having a great time. He didn't take himself too seriously. And I went from not liking him to really enjoying him as a broadcaster. And I really enjoyed him, started to enjoy him right about the time you're like, all right, Gary, we're done with you. Which was unfortunate. We do have Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun with us now. So, uh, Nathan, it is Paul. It's Zach. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time with us on the bat around today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We always like having you. We like, enjoy talking some baseball with you. Orioles off to a good start. They get the victory last night over the Yankees 7-6 to in the home opener. Bullpen. A little bit shaky again yesterday, Nathan. Do the Orioles have any plans in the Woodworks to maybe add a little bit to this group? Because right now, there's only about three guys that you can really trust um, to take the ball and get you out of a jam. Yeah, I think, you know, the the most obvious place where where they'll make additions in that regard is going to be getting guys off the IL. Obviously, you've got Michael Gibbons and Dylan Tate, who are both expected to be, you know, pretty significant parts of this bullpen. Dylan Tate, obviously, was a key setup man for them last year. And, and they brought in Michael Gibbons to kind of add a veteran to that group as well. And so when those two guys are sidelined, it obviously limits Brandon, Brandon Hyde's options. We saw Brian Baker pitch in a big spot. We've seen Logan Gillespie really, you know, rise up the bullpen ranks pretty quickly. Uh, there is some, you know, roster machinations issues with, you know, the start of the season with limits on bringing up guys who are optioned at the end of spring training. So they're, they're in a tough spot right now when you've got some guys IL'd, when you've got, you know, some roster limitations, but uh, this is a group that they believe in. You know, they didn't make any really beyond Michael Givens, any significant additions to it. Maybe you think, uh, depending on how the rotation competition, you know, shapes up as, as Kyle Bradish recovers from his foot injury and returns, that might change some things. But 
until any of that happens, you know, this is the group they're going to have to ride with with a little bit. And I think they believe in it stuff wise and ability wise. And it's just a matter of execution. Do we have any kind of updates? I know that at the beginning of spring training, it was Tate's going to be back by the end of April. Now it's looking like the middle or end of May. Uh, As spring training was coming to a close, they said Givens was going to go on the IL, but they expected him back by mid-April. Is that still the time frame, especially for Givens? Are there any updates about how he's coming along? Yeah, Michael Givens actually, Brandon Hyde said yesterday that he'll have a side session today. So I'm sure when we speak with Brandon Hyde this afternoon, maybe we'll have a clear idea of, of what Michael Givens' situation is and what his timeline is, and obviously the fact that he's going to get off the mound and throw both well. Uh, yeah, Dylan Tate, I think, is kind of still a situation where he's going to be out for, for April into May, and, and then they'll figure it out from there. Uh, and then you mentioned Kyle Bradish. The injury with him was prompted Tyler Wells to come out and throw five elite innings out of the bullpen, which then brought the need for bringing up Grayson Rodriguez, who was really good in his Major League debut on Wednesday. When Bradish comes back, does do, does a starter go to the bullpen? Do the Orioles move to a six-man rotation? Does Grayson get sent back down? I can't imagine them sending Grayson down if he's still pitching well when Bradish is ready to come back. What do the Orioles do when they get to that to that when they start to have to cross that bridge? Yeah, I think like you just said right there, when they have to cross that bridge, that's when they'll do that. Um, I think all of the options you laid out are possibilities. We could see someone move to the bullpen. Uh, they've been kind of apprehensive about a six-man rotation just because of the limits that places on their bullpen. And then obviously how Grayson Rodriguez pitches in, in the coming weeks will have a big determination in, in what's next for him. But I, I think the big decision point is just going to be what the situation is. Like, you know, you never know if someone else could get hurt opening a spot right away for Kyle Bradish. Someone could pitch poorly and kind of make an easy decision for them. I, I mean, obviously, ideally, all those guys pitch well and they do have a tough decision on their hands and have to sort things out. But uh, Brandon Hyde basically said yesterday that when Kyle Bradish comes off the IL, he'll be in the rotation but it, there's no guarantees of what the situation is with those other five guys when that time comes. Now, moving to the offensive side of things, the Orioles, they're second in the American League with a 350 on base percentage. They're second in slugging percentage. They're first in steals. The offense has really taken off, and one of the guys at the forefront of that has been Adam Frazier, who seems to always be on base. And he didn't have a good spring, and there were a lot of people, myself included, who kind of scratched their heads about the signing of Adam Frazier, considering what the Orioles have at the big league level and what they have at the minor league level knocking on the door. But Adam Frazier just looks like a professional baseball player. He just looks like a scrappy player who puts the bat on the ball, plays good defense. How big has his addition been for the Orioles, and how much of a wrench has he thrown into the spokes of their plans for this young ball club moving forward? Yeah, obviously this is kind of exactly what they were looking for out of him when they signed him. And I, I think that he's the type of hitter they've, they've really lacked uh, up and down the lineup over the last few years. Obviously you really like what you've seen out of Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle, the developments they've had. But, yeah, and, you know, Anthony Santander is a guy who, like, took a lot of steps in this regard of, of swing decisions and plate discipline, and that wasn't something they've really had. Um, you know, someone who's going to make contact, put the ball in play. They've had a lot of swing and miss organizationally at the major league level over the last several years throughout the rebuild. And so – to have a guy like Adam Frazier who you can trust to put the bat, bat on the ball, work good at bat, and to this point getting re- good results, that's good to see. Now, obviously, uh, he's only on a one-year deal. You, you look at the Norfolk infield, and it's probably the best infield in minor league baseball. You've got Jordan Westberg, you've got Cordon Norby, you've got Joey Ortiz. You know, if, if something were to happen to, to Adam Frazier or another one of these guys, it, it, you know, you're going to have a good option to, to call on. Uh, Taren Vavra on the bench as well is, is another guy to like there. Uh, but what Adam Frazier's done so far is impressive. And, and you know, that's what they're looking to see. He deepens their lineup if he, if he hits like this. He's not going to be a guy who I think you're going to see near the top a whole lot. Obviously, 
different lineups, different matchups could prompt that. But for the most part, he's going to be a guy who's going to be probably in that you know bottom half of the lineup. And if he's doing what he's doing from there, it, it really strengthens their, line, strengthens their lineup overall. You briefly just mentioned Taron Bavra, and we mentioned all these guys, like you said, Westberg, Norby, Ortiz, and then you have Frazier and Arias and Mateo and Henderson at the big league level. Vavra kind of gets kind of lost in the shuffle, but this is a guy who takes professional at-bats. He gets on base at a pretty high clip. He had a monstrous spring for them. He even showed more power uh, than we're accustomed to seeing from him. I get that he's a utility player, but he can't seem to get off the bench. Are you surprised that with his on-base capabilities and the at-bats that he takes that he hasn't gotten more playing time early on? Well, I think it just speaks to, you know, when you look at the job Adam Frazier's doing, when you look at what Jorge Mateo has done defensively and on the base pass, when you look at what Ramon Arias has done on both sides of the ball, when you've got Gunnar Henderson, there, there are some questions of where you fit him in. You know, you've obviously got, he's got the ability to play a lot of different spots that we've seen Brandon Hyde use him at different spots, both throughout camp and early on in the regular season. So he's going to get his opportunities. Guys are going to get days off. Um, they put him on this team because they intend to use him. They want, you know, it's unfortunate for him that he's not getting regular playing time, but I think it kind of speaks to the organizational situation that they are prioritizing the the role, no matter how small it may be, he can have on the major league team over giving him opportunities at AAA. And obviously, finding playing time at AAA might be difficult, too, just given the, the situation we talked about there with the infield and Norfolk. But all that said, I, I think that he's a guy who they really value, who brings some versatility, who brings, like you mentioned, a great approach, great play discipline, great contact ability, and as we saw in spring, a little more pop. So uh, he's a guy who, who's really valuable and will go a long way for them. Kyle Stowers. He is glued to the bench. One start, he had one at-bat in the Boston series. Uh, the reverse splits against left-handed pitching in the minors were off the charts, yet he, he will not face a left-handed pitcher in the in the majors. You look at what Ryan McKenna is, with the exception of a hot, st- hot stretch in the middle of the season last year, he's not a great hitter against left-handed pitching either for his career, and he made that big error. What does Kyle Stowers have to do to get more playing time? I, I feel like... He hasn't even gotten the opportunity to earn that more playing time. Yeah, the the left on left splits and and the the lack of usage against them in the majors is definitely a little confounding. Uh, it was a conversation topic last year while he was up. Just you know what's keeping him out is especially against you know especially against as as against left handers the Orioles were struggling a lot. So uh, it, it's something to watch, something to monitor going forward. Uh, obviously the the numbers are what they are, but the Orioles must see something, have some intel on. You know, they have more information than we do. So if there's yeah. something there that they're seeing with Kyle Stowers and left-on-left matchups that uh, makes them hesitant, then that's a different story. Um, that said, he's kind of like in a Terran Vavra camp where there are guys who are in front of him right now in the Major League depth chart, but the team decides that he has value and as being part of this Major League team, even if it means not getting consistent playing time. Uh, that could change over the course of the season. All it takes is, you know, one injury or, or one other move and, and an opportunity opens up. And so I think Kyle Stowers, we're going to continue to see him and Taron Bavra kind of in that same pool of when the opportunity presents itself, they'll be on the field, but otherwise they'll wait for their opportunity and, and hopefully for them they take advantage of it. Gunnar Henderson to this point, uh, we, we've we talked to a number of people on this show, and I'm sure you have as well, that think that Gunnar Henderson is an elite, could be an elite defender at third base. That elite defense hasn't showed up to this point in the season. He's had He had an error saved by a ball that bounced off his glove and went straight to Jorge Mateo. There were a couple of infield singles that could have been errors because he made a throw that if it had been accurate, the guy would have been out. Uh, what have you seen from him defensively, and do you think we could see him maybe DHing a little bit more with how good Arias has been at the hot corner? Yeah, just to start with that second part, I think – that Brandon Hyde really trusts what Ramon Arias does defensively. We saw it yesterday in the eighth inning, starting a double play on a 105-mile-per-hour grounder. And he, 
gold glove winner going to get recognized today for that award and and obviously has a ton of value for them can play second as well and gunner will play third so i think they just really value we've seen this with brandon high throughout his tenure he really values the experienced guy the guy who's positioned himself well and ramon Arias has shown what he can do at third base didn't get a ton of innings over there last year relatively speaking to some of these other gold glove candidates and still impressed enough with the advanced metrics to win the award so he's a guy who they really like and in terms of gunner henderson you know he's a guy who's bounced back between short and third throughout his career obviously got some odd time on the right side of the infield at the end of his Norfolk tenure last year. But I, I think he's a guy who the Orioles believe in a lot. He's going to continue to get opportunities. When Jorge Mateo needs a day off, he'll be the shortstop. Uh, you know, whatever early hiccups there have been on either side of the ball, uh, you know, they believe in his ability to get over them. He, he's shown it out throughout his career that if he slumps, if he struggles, he has the ability to grow from it and move past it. And I think we'll continue to see that in his major league career. And then finally, Dean Kramer. He's had some hiccups himself. He, um, you know, the good yesterday, he, he, Threw three scoreless innings to start the game. He struck out Aaron Judge a couple of times. But then he gives up that big three-run homer to Franchi Cordero there in the fourth inning. He tends to, at least this from the sp- from spring training into the early part of this season, seems to be giving up home runs on that cutter. And he left that one cutter hanging right over the middle of the plate for Cordero to just hit like he was hitting it off a tee yesterday. Um like I said, little good, little bad. What are we seeing from Dean Kramer? I think he can bounce back, but is there concern, even though, again, it, there's seven games into the season, but is there any kind of concern there regarding Kramer? Yeah, I think, you know, they would like better results. He would like better results. Um, like you mentioned, it's so extremely early in the season. There were times back in 21 when you look at his triples there where, you know, Brandon Hyde felt he got a little cutter reliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we're quite seeing that. He obviously has a sweeper in his mix now. He's using that pitch. Saw a lot of sinkers early on from him yesterday. So he's got really quite the rep- repertoire now. And I think, you know, utilizing that in full is going to be what gives him the most success. Uh, he'll continue to be in the rotation for the time being. You know, obviously, if, if he struggles, Kyle Bradish comes back. You know, if, you know, I don't know that the Orioles definitively would do that. But, you know, they're, you know, when Kyle Bradish comes back, they're going to have to evaluate some things. So, you know, all these guys, I think, are kind of going to continue to be in a rotation competition, so to speak. But but Dean Kramer was their number two starter to open the season for a reason. They really, really believe in him and what he can do, and uh, you know they believe in his ability to bounce back. And before we let you go, what can we plug for you? What, what do you got coming up uh, as you're writing for the Baltimore Sun Company Orioles this season? Yeah, I had a fun story out today on the Orioles' new double celebration. I think people have seen, if they've been watching the games on mass, and some players do the sprinkler when they get to second base. But the more interesting part is really what happens in the dugout. Uh, I'll just direct them to baltimoresun.com slash sports slash Orioles to check out that story to get the inside details on that. And that's where you can find all of my and Jacob Meyer's work. All right. Excellent. Excellent. By the way, has the home run change just gone away? I haven't seen it yet yet this year. Yeah, I don't think they brought that back. I think it's, you know, a new team, a new energy. They're trying to find things. That kind of happened just organically last season. I think they're probably looking for something to that effect as well. Uh, just something fun, something new, something that represents the 2023 team. All right, well, that, that seems to make sense. Nathan, always great talking with you. Thanks for taking some time for us here on a Saturday. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season. We'll talk to you down the line, all right? Yeah, sounds great. Really appreciate it, man. All right, see you. That was Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun joining us here on the Bat Around today. Always enjoy talking with Nathan because he's he covers the team. He's got plugged a lot in. Of, he's, he's plugged in. What I also like about Nathan is that a lot of times you'll see people kind of toe the company line when it yeah. comes to the Orioles. He does not do that. No. He says how he feels, and I think that that's refreshing. That's why I like I like having yeah. him on the show, because if he has an opinion on something, he's going to give it. And I like yeah. that You know, when I asked him about Kyle Stowers, he said, yeah, it's, it's confounding. He has those re- reverse splits. 
in the minors, and yet he's not getting playing time. And yes, the Orioles know more than we do, but he's not even Stowers isn't even getting an opportunity. You know? Yeah, and, I mean he he hasn't really. Yeah. Uh, and I don't. You know, Austin Hayes is definitely confounding. We've talked about him a lot on the show, but he hasn't really gotten off. He had that one five hit game. And then he hasn't really done a whole lot outside of that. So, you know, maybe he starts to get more playing time as Austin Hayes starts to, you know, lose his spot uh, in the everyday starting lineup. That that could definitely be possible. Well, and the, the thing with Hayes, he had that five-hit game. He only has two hits otherwise That's what I'm saying. the rest of the season. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, his right. average is a three oh four. Right, but it's because but, of that five-hit game. Yeah, I, I will agree with Stan, though. He does look more confident to me at the plate I, I right now. I think so. He I looks more so. confident, but it, and he had, a, he had a big spring. I'm not too mm-hmm. worried about Austin Hayes right now. Ask me when you know when these these struggles kind of bleed into. Look, weeks if and Austin months. Hayes can hit two fifty with a three ten on base percentage, well, that's what and, he did and, last and, year, and twenty home runs, I'm okay with that. I think I think he's so much better than that, though. I, I think, think he, he has is the, too. the potential to be so much better than that, but he keeps getting freaking hurt. Yeah. Anyway, you yeah. can follow Nathan Ruiz on Twitter at Nathan S Ruiz. You want you want to be reading Nathan's stuff. You want to go read his stuff because he is uh, he's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. What else is fantastic is Pressbox Online offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers for the best sports book offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get five second chance bets at points bet when you deposit and bet your first fifty dollars. Just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. When we come back in, uh, the payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. That's next on the Battle Round. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more. We do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great 
Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, rolling along here on the bat around today. We are back for our payoff pitch around the league segment. And now, without further ado, Francisco Lindor, Starling Marte, and Pete Alonso all homered, and Tyler McGill tossed six shutout innings as the Mets defeated the Marlins 9-3. Ian Happ and Cody Bellinger each drove in runs to back six shutout innings from Marcus Stroman in the Cubs' 2-0 win over Texas. Gunnar Henderson had two hits in an RBI, and Natalie Rutschman reached base three times in the Orioles' 7-6 win over the Yankees. Cincinnati Reds at Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Wheeler pitched into the sixth inning, allowing two runs while JT Realmuto connected for his first homer to send the Phillies to a 5-2 victory over the Reds in their home opener. Julio Rodriguez and J.P. Crawford each had two hits and two ribeyes to help Seattle take care of Cleveland 5-3. Jose Miranda had three hits and an RBI for a Twins team that stopped the Astros 3-2 in 10 innings. Brian Reynolds was one of four Pirates players with at least three hits and also drove in six as Pittsburgh improved to 5-2 with a 13-9 win over the White Sox. Salvador Perez smashed his first homer of the season as Kansas City took down the Giants 3-1. Tampa Bay became the first team since the 2001 Mariners to win seven straight games by at least four runs as they beat Oakland 9-5 to improve to 7-0. Former Orioles Manny Machado and Nelson Cruz combined for five hits and two RBIs, while former Orioles prospect Josh Hader converted his second save of the season to lead the Padres past the Braves 5-4. My favorite player Willie Adamas homered and Brandon Woodruff tossed six shutout innings as the Brewers improved to 6-1 with a 4-0 win over St. Louis, dropping the Cardinals to two and five. Seven Nationals recorded multi-hit games, including J.J. Abrams, who swatted two triples in the Nationals' 10-5 win over the Rockies. Mike Trout homered and drove in, too, but it was Bo Bichette who stole the show with three hits, including his second home run, and three RBIs as the Blue Jays stopped the Angels 4-3. And finally, Evan Longoria turned back the clock, going 3-3 three three with his second home run, driving in a run and leading the Diamondbacks to a 6-3 win over uh, division rival the Los Angeles Dodgers. Zach, what do we have on tap here around the league? All right, 210 is our first game of the day. Luis Garcia takes on Joe Ryan, Astros and Twins. They're both off to pretty good starts to start this year. Uh, the Royals and the Giants, Brady Singer versus Sean Manaya, the lefty, 405 at Oracle Park. Rangers at Cubs, Martin Perez, who's had a great last year, having a great year this year so far, takes on the fellow lefty, Justin Steele, 405 at Wrigley. Reds and Phillies, Nick Lodolo, the lefty, takes on another lefty, Bailey Falter, 405 Citizens Bank Park. Taylor Houck, T- Tanner Houck, excuse me, takes on Joey Wentz as the Red Sox battle the Tigers, 410 Comerica Park in Detroit. Athletics take on the Rays. Shintaro Fujinami takes on Jeffrey Springs, 410 at the Trop. Marlins, they'll start Trevor Rogers. Kode Sanga starts for the Mets, 410 in Queens at City Field. Mariners take on the Guardians, 610 at Progressive Field. Marco Gonzalez, the lefty versus Cal Quantrill, the righty. 610 at Progressive Field. White Sox and Pirates. Mike Clevenger takes on Vince Velasquez. 635 in Pittsburgh. Yankees take on your Baltimore Orioles. 705 Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Johnny Brito takes on Cole Irvin, the lefties. He makes his second Orioles start. He's 0-1. So He's 0-1. Hoping he turns it around. Jordan Montgomery, the lefty, takes on another lefty, Eric Lauer. 710 at American Family Field as the Cardinals take on the Brewers. The Padres, they'll start Michael Waka. Charlie Morton goes for the Braves. 720 
at Truist Waka Waka. Dodgers, they'll start Noah Syndergaard, the vet, against Zach Davies, another former Oriole, uh, 8-10 at Chase Field, Dodgers, and D-backs. Nationals will start Trevor Williams. Austin Gomber goes for the Rockies, 8-10 at Coors Field. Final game of the night is at 9:07. Jose Barrios against Tyler Anderson in Anaheim as the Blue Jays play the Angels. If Michael Waka had signed with the Orioles... Well, he's 1-0 with a 6 ERA and 2 strikeouts. He, if he had signed with the <laughs> Orioles, they would have been doing a disservice to everybody if they didn't make a T-shirt with Fozzie from the Muppets that said <laughs> that said Waka Waka. That would have been nice. That would have been cool. Yeah. Speaking, didn't, of, didn't they do that for uh, like Shakira for a while? They they made shirts that said that because her song says Waka Waka or something along those oh, lines. I have no idea. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something what? along those lines. I have no. You've idea. never heard that song? No. I'm not a big um, Shakira fan, but I feel like everyone's heard that song. Yeah. Um. I, I waka waka. Yeah, that's a Shakira song, right? I'm it's home so- tonight. Waka waka. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that one, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> um, a cool T-shirt that's coming out. It's going to be the Orioles promotional giveaway that I just saw on um, yeah, Tuesday night. Waka waka. This time for Africa <laughs> is her song. What Shakira? You've never heard that? I probably that's have. Unreal. Anyway, the Orioles are, are um, the first ten thousand fans, fifteen and over, on Tuesday night against the Athletics. Um, we'll get a gas em up. Welcome to the show, Grayson Rodriguez T-shirt, um, which is pretty cool. Somebody that was cool. saying that we got to give a nickname to Grayson Rodriguez, and they said that it should be. Um, what's the I thought dude? there was already a nickname. It's Gray Rod. No? He he prefers G Rod to. Gray I don't Rod. like that. I hate Gray, that. Gray, well, Grayson Rodriguez it's, it prefers G Rod to to Gray well, Rod. I disagree with him. Why don't we just call him the Rod? I, I, <laughs> the the Rod. The Rod. Um, That's- flattering well you know the, the guy walks around like he's carrying a big one so wow <laughs> <laughs> i mean he just shoves most he's... questionable comment in the history of the battle <laughs> he my god the guy just shoves i don't know stan dropped the f-bomb on this show a, a, a couple true. a couple of months ago the guy shoves call him the rod um now i lost my train of thought <laughs> what a statement you're right what i'm, I'm blushing hard man i can't believe i said that but whatever man the the the, the guy he shoves call him the rod um i love this show <laughs> oh. um but yeah so he's got a cool gas him up t-shirt somebody who's the guy who's the guy that um god he's from like lord of the rings or harry potter or something one of the one of those very and, and, very and different series somebody was trying to come up with a damn Nickname for him, and I feel like it begins with a B or a, a G. Gandalf. Maybe you wanted to call him Gandalf. Yeah, that's yeah, what that, it was. That's like Lord of the Rings. I believe. Yeah, he wanted to call him Gandalf because he's a wizard out there. And and that's awful. And Utah Street Report ripped the dude. Like, that's bad. no, we're not calling him that. If you like, you will be alone in calling him Gandalf. Why does well, he? Why does he have to have a nickname? I was gonna I, say they should happen organically. Yeah, like I understand that. Like the big unit. For the big, the big rod. That's what they should call him. The big rod. Oh my Come God. on, it writes itself. Randy Johnson, oh. six foot ten on the yeah. mound, dominant. The big unit. Um, Roger Clemens was the rocket. Mike Mussina was the moose. Uh, Adam Dunn was the big donkey. For the same reason that you would call Grayson Rodriguez the rod. The Big Rod. That's what they should call him. The Big Rod. Gandalf. The Big Rod. Grayson Rodriguez. Well, again, it should happen organically. You should come up with a nickname based on something. Like Felix or, Bautista wasn't the mountain because we decided. It just became it's the mountain. It's because he's freaking enormous. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, just And it's an ode to Game of Thrones. Now, 
I was thinking, well, why don't we just call him the gas man? But you can't do that because Kevin Gossman, they started calling him the gas man. Did they? So I think that the name should just be the Big Rod. By the way, Kevin Gossman has pitched 12 innings and give, not given up a run yet. So well, He gave uh, up a run, but no earned runs. Oh, no earned runs. You're correct, yeah. Um, he's pitched yeah, well. He, well, because he's Kevin Gossman. He's really freaking good. Yeah. He, like, yeah. There's a reason the Orioles took him like fourth overall. Yeah. He's really good. Um, yeah, th- th- if, I guess the, like really great pitchers. All I mean, what's Justin Verlander's nickname? JV. I don't know. He doesn't have one. What's Max Scherzer's uh, nickname? You know, so Baseball Reference lists nicknames. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Let's look up for for Justin Verlander yeah, and, see, and see what they list, and then I'll look it up for Grayson. I don't know if they're gonna have one, but we'll guaranteed see. he doesn't have one. Guaranteed he doesn't have a nickname. Um, you look up Verlander. I'm gonna look up Max Scherzer. It says nickname JV. That's what they have for Justin Verlander. But realistically, I don't think anyone calls him that. I don't think uh, there's no nickname for Max Scherzer. Okay, yeah. he, j- just oh nickname Mad, Mad Max. Mad Max. I've Mad, heard Mad that Max. One. They yeah. do call him that. Yeah, Blue that eye one. or brown eye? What what a clever nickname, Mad Max. Okay, so if you're like an elite dominant starting pitcher, you should have a nickname. Uh, I, I'm sticking with the Big Rod. Grayson's <laughs> the Big Grayson's Rod. Grayson's middle name is Greer. We can just call him Greer. Greer like Greer Rod. Yeah, Greer Rod. <laughs> There's only two things that come out of Texas: steers and greers. Greers, steers and I, greers. What's a greer? That's, I don't know. Rusty Greer. It, uh, the Rusty Greer was a good player for the Texas Rangers. Mm. Greer. I'm not gonna give uh, Greer. Greer. It's like rural, like rural or rural. You're too young to know that reference. Um, I am too young to know that reference. It's. Uh, it was like it was David Spade calling into an oh, infomercial okay. on SNL. Um, God, well, we have gone so off the rails in this segment here. Um, I don't know. I, the nickname will come organically. If people want to start calling him the gas man, I mean, we call Gus Edwards Gus Bus, you know, even though I didn't like that because the I, bus was... Um, Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis. I guess we can call him the gas man. <laughs> I think the big rod would be hysterical, and it would be a great nickname for him. In the context of history, the gas man sounds a little odd. I'm not a huge fan of that one. The gas man. I think let's just go with G Rod or Gray Rod or whatever he, he doesn't. You know, whatever he wants to be called. We know that Mount Ryan Mountcastle doesn't like to be called Mountain Mountie Mountie. So yeah, you know. So my dad at opening day yesterday saw they have the banners outside with with nicknames on them, like they have Felix and then they have Adley, which are not nicknames. There's what they're first call names. Them. They're, <laughs> right, they're first names, but they have Mountie on the banner as well. My dad goes Mountie. Whoever called him that, and I was like, it's a Brandon Hyde thing. It's what you know. Yeah, what he calls him. He doesn't like it. You could when he somebody like when he got called that by I think it was Bordick, yeah, or not Bordick. He got called Mountie from by somebody, yeah, and he rolled his eyes. He doesn't like being called that. So, like, if Gray Gray Rod, Grayson Rodriguez doesn't want to be called Gray Rod, why would we call him Gray Rod? But also, why would you like Gray Rod, G Rod, better than Gray Rod? Yeah, I like Gray Rod better. Anyway, but then there's A Rod, and A Rod (laughs) is one of the biggest uh, pieces of excrement that's ever played. So I don't know, man. We've spent 15 minutes on 10 minutes on this, whatever. Um. So the Orioles, they're four and three to start the year. The bullpen has left a lot to be desired. Let's talk a little bit about that bullpen. And again, you can really only trust Coulomb, Cienna Perez to a certain extent. He wasn't good in the second inning that he pitched yesterday, but I also think it's because he doesn't get two ups in a game very often. Yeah. And then there's also Felix Bautista. Everybody else is kind of not off to a great start. And let's let's take a look at this bullpen. 
right now. So you have Felix Bautista, 245 ERA with three saves and four opportunities. Brian Baker, 579 ERA in four games. Cienel Perez, 415 in four games. Keegan Aiken, 771. Logan Gillespie, 450. Austin Voth, 1543. Tyler Wells has an ele- Tyler Wells has more innings than anybody out of the bullpen, and he hasn't allowed a run or a hit yeah. because he went five innings. Got, got those five. Uh, Danny Coulomb, three outings, three innings, no earned runs. Yep. Mike, ba- Mike Bauman, 338. I would have liked to see Mike, Mike Bauman come in for the eighth inning. Yeah, yesterday. I mean, you haven't seen him too much yet. So so uh, I look at this, and who do you really, like, who do you trust? Uh, I am not confident anytime I see Aiken, or Brian Baker being brought into a ball game. Neither of those two. Uh, Logan Gillespie haven't really seen enough, and then after yesterday, seeing him in person, I wasn't really impressed. I mean, through ninety five, ninety six, but uh, he's okay. Uh, Keegan Aiken definitely not. I I don't know. I there's not many guys right now. Danny Coolum was a really good under the radar pickup by the Orioles. They they got him, I think, for cash considerations. Am I, am I right in saying that from the uh, yes. From the Twins at the last minute. They were going to put him on the, the opening day roster, and then they traded him to Baltimore. So that was a really nice under-the-radar pickup. A guy who was a three nine four career uh, career ERA coming into 23, and then also a guy who's a lefty, what, what, 34 years old. He's been around for a while. Really good under-the-radar pickup. I love mm-hmm. that. And he's pitched pretty well so far. He's a Fe- good pitcher in his career. He's just, he, he is. He's been hurt a little bit. Yeah, and Felix Bautista, we've seen kind of what he can do. I don't really expect with a hundred mile an hour fastball and the splitter that he throws regression is not a word that comes to my mind for him i think he's going to continue to be dominant the way that he pitches it's hard not to be it's not fair right to to hitters how how good he can be i mean he he comes at you with a 101 mile an hour fastball and then throws an 85 mile an hour splitter that falls off a table like yeah i mean generally the guys who you can tell are going to regress significantly are the guys that you know kind of nibble maybe get a lot of calls their way they don't throw necessarily hard the stuff isn't that good you expect Regression, but a guy who throws a hundred and has a splitter that's probably top three in the game, yeah, I don't really see that happening. He's gonna hit around. He's gonna. There will be some days where he'll blow saves. It will happen. It yeah. will happen. Maybe be prepared for it. But unless you name Zach Britton, the year's twenty six. Unless you're Zach Britton, which is an anomaly. You know, it's the greatest season. In, it, it's, right. a, it's the greatest re- relief season in history. Baseball. It's never gonna happen again, most likely. But Felix Bautista, I do have confidence in, and then Perez. Again, I do expect a little bit of a step back for him this year, but he's pitched well so far this year. And you know, maybe bringing him in in the for for two innings is too much, but having him as a a one inning reliever in the seventh or the eighth wouldn't be the the worst thing in the world at all. I, I think he's a, a pretty confidence inducing pitcher. But the rest of them are, are big question marks. Austin Voth, I still don't know what to make of him. I yeah, really don't. I, I, He's got that elite spin rate on his fastball yeah. and his curveball. His curveball's he, good last year. He, yeah. He's throwing what they call a slutter, I guess. Uh, like, I, sw- I think sweeper is the correct name for it. I don't know. I I, I, I heard slutter because it's I a heard slider was- cutter, uh, but maybe it's it's a sweeper. I don't know. Well, Kyle Gibson's the one who's throwing the sweeper. Well, correct, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, But both they said that he just hasn't been able to find the command of the pitches yet to this point. He's going to get an opportunity to get that year right yeah. down from 1543, but he wasn't good in spring. Yeah. And he's been giving up some home runs in spring and now kind of like Dean Kramer. So I'm interested to see if he can bounce back a little bit. He was one of those guys who I th- think I saw a regression coming because when he pitched, he had a he had one good year in um in Washington where he made nine starts and he had like a 3-7 or a 3-8 ERA. Yeah. And then he was terrible again. 
Like, I, really bad. Yeah. Not so, just hit, like, he had an 11 ERA, something along those lines. It was yeah. horrible. May, but maybe he's one of those guys who just the more he pitches, the better he gets. It's possible. I don't I don't know. But And he doesn't have any options. So it's not like they can send him down to AAA. I don't know. I, I just, they really need Givens back. They really need Tate back. Givens, like Nathan Ruiz said, they're gonna he's going to throw a side session today, and Hyde's going to let them know how that went today. Maybe he could be back sooner than later. Yeah. I, and, and, and the thing with Tyler Wells, and you said it about D.L. Hall, I think D.L. Hall's got more upside as a starter than Tyler Wells does, but Tyler Wells is a good pitcher. He's a good starter. I mean, I guess if we're looking purely at ceilings, then D.L. Hall probably has a bigger one. I think but he has a higher ceiling than just about anybody on the staff. But, mm, but... Can't agree with that. I mean, well, I mean, Ryan Ripken faced him and faced Grayson and said that that, that, that D.L. Hall's, Hall is better. But can D.L. Hall pitch more than four innings? Kenny, I want to see it. I, yeah. I, I've never seen. I don't know if Deal Hall's ever gone seven or eight in his. And maybe they won't let him. Maybe that's product of them, yeah. them not wanting him to. But I want to see him do that. Yeah. Then, then we can start talking. I mean, about when that. do you ever see Grayson go seven or eight? I mean, again, and it's probably because they limited. Yeah, well, but I, it's I'm not a lot, It is. I'm a lot more confident Grayson can do that because he's had the innings. He's had the bulk of work over the past few years that shows you he's been able to do that. And that's not to say that I think that ultimately D.L. Hall is a better overall pitcher than Grayson. I think he's got better stuff and better upside he if he can ever hone yeah. his craft. You know, but Grayson is already one of those guys who's kind of already honing that craft, yeah. and D.L. Hall's kind of falling behind a little bit, but. I don't know. It's it's one of those things that we know is going to work itself out, but they do need to find a way to get the back end of this bullpen yeah. pitching well. And I did this little um, project the other day when I had some downtime where uh-huh. I figured out which reliever should be pitching when because it blows my mind that um, Brandon Hyde is using Perez as a seventh-inning guy and Baker as his eighth-inning guy. It's blowing my mind that he continues to do that. Yeah. And it shows that Perez or Mike Bauman should be the eighth inning guy. Yeah. That realistically, Al- Michael Givens. The, 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 but but I'm, I'm talking about for the guys that are there sure. right now. The Austin Voth and Brian. The Brian Baker is their best fifth inning option. Voth is their best sixth inning option. Um, and then your seventh inning guy should be Coulomb or Bauman. Your eighth inning guy should be Perez or Bauman. Your closer should be Felix Bautista, and your guy who can pitch whenever you kind of really need him is Logan Gillespie. And yet we continue to see Keegan Aiken in the seventh inning yeah. when he does pitch. You continue to see Brian Baker in the eighth inning when he does pitch. Feel, uh, and CNL Perez, who had one of the best uh, seasons of any Orioles reliever ever yeah. last year, 140 ERA in what, 60, in 66 games. You continue to see him pitching in the seventh inning. Right, now, That's going to be his role. And I guess you want him to continue to pitch in his role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I can make make peace with that. But right now, he's the guy who you, you should be able to trust the most in the eighth inning to get to bridge you over to Felix Bautista in the ninth. But look, when he cut, when Givens and Tate are back, right? You know, you're gonna have Givens and Tate pitching the six. Well, maybe Perez is your eighth inning guy anyway. Then because you're gonna have. Tate you, can, Tate, you can pitch usually in the seventh inning. It's usually when you want to throw him. Mm-hmm. Givens, you can throw him sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth inning. Right. He's He can be that guy. The bullpen's going to get a lot better when those guys come back. They just, we just got to get there. Huge difference. I mean, those guys, you know, you, you don't necessarily look at relief pitchers and say, these are the most important players on the team. Mm-hmm. But those two, you can already tell how much of an impact they would have. I mean, based on the numbers they had last year, of course. I mean, who knows? One of them could fall off a cliff. We don't know. But... In reality, those two guys are huge missing pieces, and probably the Orioles have a better record right now if one of those guys is, is in the bullpen. If well, just one or of those if Ryan guys. McKenna can make a catch on left field. If Ryan McKenna can catch a ball, yeah. Um, 
look, the 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 law. The, they have two losses this year that I think were legitimate losses. The loss to yeah, Boston in Game Three, and the loss to Texas in Game Three. Yep. Um, where they, they should be five and two. They, they should be five and two. You know, and I mean that's just the way it is. It's not like it, it's a little different though in this situation because you're not saying okay, maybe if the Orioles had just gotten this hit there, if Adley Rutschman had driven this run here, he dropped the ball. There was nothing they you know. A play that's made, you know, probably 999 times out of 1,000. It's funny you say that because it's exactly what Austin Hayes said. He said, yeah. McKenna catches a ball 999 times right. out of 1,000. I mean, you're not – probably, honestly, it's probably more like – it's more than that. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, the odds of him dropping that ball are incredibly small. Incredibly small. So well, it, it, Apparently, he took a, a one step further than he should have. Um, Is that what it was? Yeah, he took like one step further. Than than he should have, and so he had to reach a little bit behind him. And you could see when they show when they slow it down and show you the replay, mm-hmm. he's looking up at the ball, and as it's starting to come down, he looks forward. He's not watching it. And for the people who are saying you got to catch with two hands, nobody that, does that in Major League Baseball. No, a nobody does that. B nobody does that in my league. C, yeah. you don't catch with two hands to secure the baseball. Right. You catch with two hands. To quickly transfer the ball from your glove exactly. to your throwing hand. That's why you field a ground ball with two hands. J.J. Hardy always field a, gr- a ground ball yep. with one hand. But you have you're not, you don't have your second hand there to close the glove. Machado did too, always, yeah. always one hand. You have your second hand there for the, transfer. for the transfer, and it's always thumb over thumb. So you catch the ball, yep. thumb over thumb, and then you slide the ball into your throwing hand. That's yep. why you catch it with two hands. It's not to close the glove for all those helicopter guys oh, out there. I, two hands. Two hands. Yeah, shut the hell up. One of my biggest pet peeves from playing high school baseball is that I would catch balls one-handed in the outfield, and I would be eviscerated by my coaches. We'd have one out, nobody on base, and i catch a ball one-handed. And, two hands. Two hands. It's like, for what? I'm not making any throw. I mean, <laughs> you know, so it, for all the people saying that about Ryan McKenna, same deal. I, there's really no reason he had to go two hands there. So... He just he made a mistake, you know. I'll tell at the you, end of the he, day. he dropped an easy fly ball last year early in the I season, remember that. and then we never saw an issue with it again. Yeah, uh, I thought that it was kind of. I feel like he may have done this on purpose. He caught a fly ball. Um, it may have been even to end the game the other day, mm-hmm. and the ball gets hit out to him, and it was a similar pop up mm-hmm. in left field, and he caught it the exact same way that on the ball that he did with the ball that he dropped. Yeah, caught it. Next to his ear, with one hand at about shoulder height, it, it, it was. Uh, he called it the same way. I'm like this mf'er. He like it was. He did it the exact. It's like same Chris way. Davis trying to spite Jim Palmer with the change batting stance after he, he yeah. criticized him, and he changes it for for one at bat, and then goes back to <laughs> yeah to what he was doing that wasn't working. Now for for Brian Baker, I will say this: in his first outing, two thirds of an inning, two hits, three runs. Um, he it, hasn't. It wasn't good. He hasn't given up. He's given up one hit. No walks, no runs since then. So his last three outings, he's gone four innings, one hit, no walks, four strikeouts. So he's been good the last the last uh, the last three outings. It was really that one that made him bad. Now the, the what I realized here is that the Orioles as a team last year allowed thirty four percent of inherited runners to score, which was three percent higher than the um, than the league average. So I'm wondering how many uh, of because I think he gave up a couple of hits and let an inherited runner score um, at some point after that first game. But let's see, pitching roll. 
as a reliever. Where is this? I can never well, see. While you're trying to find that, the Yankees just made some some moves. Uh, okay. And out since they're playing in this series against the Orioles. They've recalled Johnny Brito, who I believe is starting tonight, as he I is. just said. Uh, they placed Josh Donaldson on the 10-day injured list. They placed Jonathan Loisega on the 15-day injured list. They signed Willie uh, Calhoun to a major league contract, put him on the active roster, and then transferred Tommy Canely to the 60-day injured list. So a lot of moves going on for the Yankees. But Josh Donaldson... Probably, actually, I, I would say Loisaga is a pretty significant loss as well. Fifteen days for Loisaga. I don't think Josh Donaldson is a big loss for me. Josh, yeah, I, Josh Donaldson should should um, Volpe off to a very slow start though. No, well, you knew that was coming. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, there's that's no way that he was going to come in and do what he did in spring training. No. Uh, Brian Baker's allowed two of his four inherited runners to score to this point. So. Um, that's something to, to think about there, even though, because he could have given up no runs, but I believe that the one hit that he gave up in his second game allowed an inherited runner to score. Yeah. Um, I believe you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually two. Yeah. It was, it was a two run base hit that he gave up as soon as he came in. Like the, the, there were runners on second and third. He came in and gave up a base hit and two runs scored in that, uh, game three loss to Boston. Um, but other than that, he's been he's been fine, I guess. And he was their best reliever down the stretch last year. So that's somebody who you can kind of look at and say, maybe he could, that can bleed over to to this year, and he can continue to improve. And look, he has been pitching better. I still he still makes me nervous because he failed so many times last year before being good the last six weeks of the season. There's a so. lot of uncertainty. I, I, that's the biggest thing. I, with this whole bullpen, there is significant uncertainty across the board. And when, again, when Dylan Tate and Michael Givens are here, it should provide a little less uncertainty. But until then, uh, you know, the timetables are pretty questionable to me. I, I don't know. I think Givens is going to come back relatively soon. You would think next two weeks or so. And then mm-hmm. Dylan Tate's, I believe, end of May. So you've got a little bit of time to wait. Uh, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how they they keep handling this bullpen and and using these guys in different situations but brian baker is a little too high leverage for me right now i wish cno perez would get a little more of those options or those opportunities uh in the in the eighth inning instead of the seventh but that's brandon hyde's decision maybe analytics plays a part and i'm okay with that if it does yeah bullpen's got to settle it down a little bit for sure uh we got to catch our final break i want to remind you that uh Birdland Sports is owned by Josh Soroka from the Section 330 from Section 336 podcast. He is behind Birdland Sports. He knows what fellow fans want and has created an amazing collection of merchandise just for you. From the from the popular birds are coming tees to the unique player cartoon shirts and World Series prediction designs, Birdland Sports has everything you need to show off your O's pride. And with prices more affordable than the big guys, you can support a small business run by one of your own. Don't wait. Head to birdlandsports.com today and show your support for the birds with Birdland Sports. When we come back in, the better round, take to rake, and final thoughts. That's next on the battle round. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. 
at first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualify teams will be announced. All right, welcome back into the bat around. No more ads to read. We only had a few today, so uh, I was preparing to write one down and didn't happen. It's habit. Yeah. I pick up the pen, I go over to the piece of paper and yeah. No so, ads to read. Um, today's show brought to you by Zach and I. Um, yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Zach Goodman, <laughs> Paul Valley. Paul, here, I, I still... Here for you. Yeah. No, I... I, st- <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Never mind. Nothing no, to say. No, you still think what? No, I still think it's crazy that I, I saw you at the Orioles game yesterday. Because and didn't we, say hi. We were talking... Well, okay. I, I thought you were with your dad. So I didn't want to... I didn't want to... Not you my know, dad. My was my best friend. Correct. I thought. I thought. It looked like your dad. You know what happens um, when you think... What happens when you think, Paul? I don't know. It's it's not the same <laughs> thing as what happens when you assume. No, but it, it's just funny. I mean, there were forty five thousand people there. And we were sitting in the the sections next to each other, which is Dude, just but, well, wild. My, my barber was four rows in front of me in the same section. There he came go. over and said hello. There you go. I ran into so, Paul. You need a haircut. Get in here. I need money. <laughs> I, I I need money. Yep. And I said <laughs> me too. <laughs> I would uh, also say me too. That's that's from half baked. Mm. Um. Don't watch that. So yeah, I saw I saw him. Apparently, you saw me and didn't say hello. I ran into one of the catchers on my baseball team, Rob. I see Rob every year at opening day. Oh really? We don't ever text him like, "Hey, let's meet up." I just managed to run into him every year on opening day. Two years ago, there was a pop up hit in the first inning, and it bounced off my hand, and I turned around, and he was the first person pointing at me from his section. That's funny. Um, last year I ran into him in the concourse. As we were leaving, and then today, uh, today, yesterday, somebody touches my butt—not my <laughs> butt, the crevasse. Yeah. And I turned around and didn't see anybody, and I was like, "All right." But then I saw Rob's wife walk by, but didn't recognize her as his wife. I was like, "That kind of looks like Jen." And then I turned back around and I'm watching the game, 
And then I feel the same touch on my butt again. I'm like, what the hell? I turn around, and sure enough, it's Rob. And I'm like, it was Jen. She's standing there smiling at me. He's behind me molesting me. It was, um, wow. It was a a weird situation, man. Big Rod. Um, It was just a weird situation. But I I run into him every year on opening day without fail. I ran into two guys. I I, I ran into my partner, one of my partner's best friends at the mortgage firm. I ran into one of his best friends, a home inspector who I've met now three different times i ran into him at, at the at the tail i saw like 14 people i knew it was yeah I, unreal i see i see tons of people i know oh yeah all the time at, at camden yards you know randomly back in 2003 i went down to universal studios in orlando mm-hmm. uh with a friend with with his family because his brother was actually playing in like the little league in their version of the little league world series okay. so we were down there for nine days and i ran into a guy I graduated high school with at universal studios wow what are the chances in florida with amongst yeah. Tens of thousands of people you run into somebody you went to high school with. That's actually not. I, I've had stuff like that happen before too. Um, my my sixth grade math teacher. I was in Outer Banks, North Carolina, and she was just in the restaurant, sitting a few seats away with me. Stuff stuff like that happens all the time. I, I always see Ryan Blake too. I'm always sitting in the same section as Ryan Blake at Orioles games. I don't know why that is, but I'll look around. I'll be like, that's Ryan Blake. Is that where Ryan was sitting yesterday? Was he there? I didn't see Ryan yesterday oh. for so, the first time so in a long time. You don't always see him. Uh, not always, but last <laughs> year I, I was at like five Orioles games. He was at every single one too. Yeah. And he was sitting in like two sections away from me or in mine. I'll tell you one of the things. So he went to, he likes to go to Orioles games by himself. Mm-hmm. And He was always there with his girlfriend, I believe. Um, or now fiance, I believe. Yeah, correct? fiance now. Yeah. Yeah, so he doesn't have to go by himself anymore. Yeah. But I went to a number of Orioles games by myself last year because I had the 13-game plan on Sundays, and a lot of people were doing stuff with their families and whatnot. Yeah. And if I didn't have anything to do on a Sunday, I'd be like, screw it, I'll just go to the game by yeah, myself. Um, so I probably went to three or f- probably four or five, actually, Orioles games by myself last year, and I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. Really enjoyed the one time, The first time I went by myself last year, I did not enjoy it. And it was the day that we thought Adley Rutschman was, was, uh, okay. was coming up. It was May 16th. I sat... I I had bought seats for two seats for the game. I had asked you to come with me. You couldn't make it. Somebody else I asked to come with me. They couldn't make it. So I ended up just going by myself because my wife couldn't come either. I sat in the front row of the um the rooftop deck bar. Yeah. And it was like seventy degrees. It was in May. It was May sixteenth. I watched Bradish warm up in the bullpen. And I th- watched him throw six pitches, and five of them were nowhere near the strike zone. I was like, this is gonna be a rough day for him. Sure enough, he threw like thirty four pitches in the first inning. Yeah. Um, 17 balls, 17 strikes. Got out of it without giving up a run, but he wasn't good. He ended up giving up like giving up like three or four runs in the fourth inning. The Orioles took the loss. They were never in it. It was one of the few times that I actually left the game early because I was getting cold. It was really breezy up there. It hadn't quite warmed up yet. It was 70 degrees to start the game, but it dropped. Um, and I didn't have a good time. I'm like, man, coming to a game by yourself kind of sucks. But then I did it like three or four more times and had a blast just watching Orioles baseball yeah. by myself. Of course, people are looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm talking to the players like by myself. <laughs> like, come on, what what are you doing? Why are you starting at third base, Odor? Why are you swinging at that pitch, Odor? Or why do you suck, Odor? Like, that was just me. Um, yeah. Because I hate Ruth that Odor. Yeah, I'm uh, working on making a living out of uh, going to baseball games by myself. So well, yeah, I do uh, I do a lot of that, and uh, I can tell you sometimes it's more fun than others. But. If you like being social, I don't recommend going by yourself. But if you go yeah. to the games because you like being there and seeing the games in person, it's it's yeah. a lot of fun because it's just baseball and there's nothing to distract you. You're just watching the game. You know, I, I had a I had a blast doing that. We also had a blast on the bet around last week. Um, we told you to take Austin Hayes at plus five twenty to Homer, and he did. We told you to take Alex Verdugo at plus 1060 to Homer, and he did. 
We are two for two on the bet around. I'm going to tell you right now, my two bets for today, and eventually I'm going to start doing Orioles, one Orioles bet, and then one bet for the rest of the league okay. that I think is a good play. Um, but I'm th- this is two bets from today's game. You have Cole Irvin going against Johnny Brito. Yeah. No Orioles batters have ever faced Johnny Brito. So it's one of those situations you always see the Orioles face rookie pitchers and really struggle. Yeah. Um, on the other side of things, Cole Irvin pitches to a lot of contact. He does. I'm taking Aaron Judge plus 2,900 to homer twice. Plus 2,900 to homer twice. Okay. I'm also taking the over at minus 115 um, of eight runs because I think that today could be one of those games where the Orioles might lose six to three. Yeah, it's a good possibility. With with Cole Irvin on the mound and the way he looked in the first game, I don't have a ton of confidence in Cole Irvin at the moment. So because he, it's not that I don't think that he can pitch well. I, I do think that. It's that he's he's a contact pitcher. Right. Throw he's consistently in the strike zone and he's facing Aaron Judge. Really tough lineup. Up Re- and down. Uh, really tough lineup to, to face. And I know that the Orioles have really, really struggled in the past when they're facing pitchers they've never seen before. Yeah. Um, now, this is a different Orioles ball club who is in the top third of the American League in a lot of offensive qu- categories right now. Um, so that could be, like, like I said, they're second in on base percentage, second in slugging percentage, second in OPS. They're first in steals, they're third in home runs. I think they're fourth in team average. So they are a much more formidable offensive ball club to this point this year uh, than I've seen in the past from them. But even still, I have to see it to believe it when it comes to facing a pitcher they've never faced before. So and, I, and Brito, I, I agree. And Brito threw five shutout innings in his first start. Um, and and a 0.60 whip with six Ks. So I'm wow. thinking that Brito might be shutting the Orioles down. I'm taking the over on uh, eight yeah. runs because it could be a big offensive night for the Yankees. So we'll see there. All right, take to rake. Time for take to rake. Um, these Actually, these numbers are updated. These numbers are updated. Yeah. I took Ryan Mountcastle. Zach took Adley Rutsch. Mountcastle this past yeah. week. Seven for 25, two doubles, two home runs, six RBS, one walk, 11 strikeouts. So basically, anytime he got out, it was, it was a strikeout. Yeah. Um, he, he slashed 280, 296, 600, 896. Adley Rutschman, four for 25, one RBI, three walks, six Ks, a 160, 250, 160, slash line. Yeah. I won. Not good. I go to 2-0 and oh mm-hmm. on the season. Zach, you were well, off. 2-0-0, two, two I guess we should say. Two, because two, there's well, the, the so ge- much, I don't guests, know how that works. We, but. Uh, we usually have our guests come on in the 11 o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. We can start booking them for 11.45 if you, you want so that we can do we can do the guest thing. Um, so I'm 2-0-0 oh oh to this point um, of the season. Zach, off and running to a fourth consecutive losing take to season. I mean, season. look, it, Adley Rutschman didn't get it done for me this week. I mean, He did not. Uh, you know what? I, what can you do? Uh not take Adley Rutschman the week after he has a big week. I think it's probably smart to not he's take He's going to have Adley. a lot of big weeks. He's going to yeah, well, I think it's smart to not take any player the week after they have a big week because they ten if, if they go 8 for 17 one if, week. If that's the case with Adley Rutschman, then Adley Rutschman isn't as good as we thought he was. Well, that's a good point. That's a fantastic point. Um I don't know. You, you just got to play the odds, I guess. The better round. Play the odds. Play the odds. Um, there with take to rake. So that means I get to pick first. Who am I taking this week? Rutschman on the board, Gunnar Henderson on the board, really anybody. You know who I'm going to take 
You could take James McCam when he comes off the injured list. He went two for four. In his, uh, <laughs> yeah, he did. In his Aberdeen, rehab yeah. start the other day. Um, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Cedric Mullins. Okay. Mullins, he got off to a hot start. He leads the team in RBIs, but the batting average is down to 207. I still think, and they got Oakland coming up, and Oakland is not a good ball club. Um, for they have a four game series there, and then they go to Chicago, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna take Cedric Mullins to have a bounce back week here, so I'll take Cedric. Give me Jorge Mateo. I'm going Jorge Mateo. He's he's hit well so far. Uh, I I hope he stays hot, and the power has been coming a little bit for him. I I don't really feel confident in Gunnar Henderson at the moment. Can't take Adley Rutschman. Your other options, maybe Adam Frazier would probably be a good pick, but I'm going to go Mateo. Okay, Mateo. So you're taking Mateo. I'm taking Cedric Mullins. No. Um, final thoughts. I went first last week. You go ahead. Well, I, I think the my final thought revolves around the Orioles letting things play out and things figuring themselves out. There's going to be a lot of roster crunch things that are going to happen in the next two or three weeks. You've got, obviously, the most significant one being Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez. They, these will figure themselves out. You know, there, there will be guys moved out of the bullpen. I think Logan Gillespie probably doesn't have a ton of time left because Michael Givens probably takes a spot sooner rather than later. Or Grayson Rodriguez goes to the bullpen takes a spot. Or Tyler Wells does. This stuff works itself out. Um, I think, you know, worrying about it and seeing, you know, one of your favorites go down and worrying about that, it's not worth worrying about because, again, these things will figure themselves out. And we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. It's going to be a an interesting few weeks as the Orioles look to to take on some better teams. They've started off, I would say, with, with Texas and uh, Boston a little bit easier. Now it's going to get a little bit more difficult for them. So we'll see how these things play out. My final thought is that I think Grayson Rodriguez is off and running. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, to me, it, it just goes to show how important it is to be with your big league p- pitching coach. I think that what Chris Holt and Darren Holmes can do with the pitching staff, and we saw it last year, what they can do with a guy like Grayson Rodriguez, where he really struggled in that first inning. He came back he came back in the dugout, they made adjustments, and then he dominated a really good Texas Rangers lineup the, the next four innings. I think Grayson Rodriguez is in the rotation, and I think he's in the rotation to stay. I don't think he's going back down. I think he's here to stay, and I think we're going to see him make a strong running for Rookie of the Year. I think he's going to have okay. that, that, that kind of season. So that's my, my final thought. I want to thank... Um, thank all of our guests, uh, Stan, Stan, Stan the Clan, Stan the Fan, Stan the Clan, Stan the Fan, Charles for his weekly segment. Um, really want to thank Nathan Ruiz for coming on, doing a great job as always on the show. Want to thank Zach for the work that he does as our producer and co-host of the show. Thanks to all the fans and all the sponsors. Without either of you, we don't have a show. Um, and I do want again to send my deepest most heartfelt condolences to Justin Labor and his family as we lost Justin at Roar from 44 um, on Twitter. We lost him this past week after his long... Uh, I don't know how he died. I don't know if it was from the long COVID or what the actual what the, what the issue was that caused him to pass away, but uh, warmest, most heartfelt condolences to Justin and his family as they deal with a terrible, terrible loss. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. See ya!